Representing the gays and the girls, I'm feeling steady and this pussy is always pap ready. You've tuned into a new episode of The Girls Room. Today, Erica and Rashi run down the tea, talking about things like Philly's gun rate, Chloe Bailey's busset challenge, the inauguration, and so much more. For today's discussion, we talk about what makes a man gay. So grab your favorite comfort food, pop in your headphones, and get into this convo, honey. TGR episode four starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the girls' room. Representing the gays and the girls, you have tuned into your favorite fat host. I am Freedom John, a.k.a. Fag Albert, a.k.a. Rashid. And I'm sitting here with Della Reese's great niece, so you already know that she and they are in charge of the girls. They and she are <laughs> Shiloh's mom, a.k.a. Fatiana, a.k.a. Thickerita, a.k.a. Fat Badu, a.k.a. Erica. Um, so what's going on today, Erie? Um, you know, I'm kind of upset. I scheduled for Shiloh to get her ears pierced today. And of course, the woman ran like two hours late. So I'm kind of feeling irritated. But other than that, happy to be alive and happy that Shiloh's good. How are you doing? Hmm, I'm doing really, really well. I can't complain too much. I'm sitting here with my coffee, so I'm good. Mm. Mm. So before we start, um, like we always do, let's do a little check-in, even though that was sort of already a check-in. But uh, (laughs) um, let's do a check-in this week using a hmm, song. Um, You know, I'm going to kind of, um, you know give you a personal shout out for this but um my my song of how i'm feeling today is probably going to be um smack a bitch by rico nasty oh my favorite um because i'm kind of in this debacle and like i'm kind of in this conflict in my dms right now and i'm kind of feeling like i might smack a bitch today oh no why (sighs) um well you know of course unfortunately i have quite the colorful history with men and apparently I messed with somebody's boyfriend a couple of years back and they feel the need to bring it up now. Um, and I'm like, I have a child. I'm not worried about this young man. I haven't talked to him. So I'm kind of confused. So. And also that's your problem. You couldn't keep your nigga on a leash. <laughs> yes. Well, what about you? What's your song? Honestly, I would have to say that my song for the day is going to be Betty Wright's No Pain, No Gain. I'm feeling very much learning my man while I was earning my man, ready to be hand on foot, hand and foot, um, to serve, honey. Yes. Knees yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. That's a vibe. Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, just, I, I, I'm, I'm very indifferent to everything. I, I really don't have much going on. To be honest, I feel good. Um... It is around, what, 4 o'clock? Well, it's almost 5. Um, so I have this, like I said, this cup of coffee that's helping me stay up and alert. Um, it's going to help me get through this episode because a bitch is tired. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Love that for you. I'm hoping that cup of coffee gives you the energy that you so desperately probably need and deserve. Yes, it's hazelnut. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I can feel that. Hazelnut, yeah, I love it. I just want to say real quick, I had a chocolate and hazelnut um, Uncrustable earlier today. Tasted delicious. An Uncrustable? What the fuck yeah. is that? 
You know, like the Smucker's joints that you had when you was a young boy. Like it didn't have the crest on it. It was the circle. It was the circle joint. Oh, so just like the, the pocket with, with the peanut butter and jelly in it. Usually, yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, they call them uncrustables. I thought they yeah. were called crustables. No, they don't have a crust on it. Oh wow, that's really weird. Okay, cool. Thanks. That's something I learned it's in a twenty. Moment. Yeah. yeah, very teachable moment. Um, I'm but... twenty four years old, learning that just today in twenty twenty one. Wow, that's interesting. Applause. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So what do we have um, okay, in store cool. today, Erie? Yeah, so today we're going to be doing what's tea, of course. We're going to be going over a few topics. Um, I don't feel like I, I should give them out just yet. I but, mean, you, you can give them a taste. Give them a tease. Okay, you know, cool. put, so your, put your gonna... toe in the water, honey. Oh, I like that. Um, put the toe in the pussy. Um, anyway. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know why I said These it. niggas have <laughs> too much going on under their fucking fingernails, so I can only imagine what's going on under those toes, hon. So... I rebuke that in the name of um, vaginal health and vaginal wealth, to be honest. That's real shit, though. But um, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about, um, the, of course, the presidential inauguration. Um, we're going to be talking a bit about Timbaland um, and also my fave, Chloe Bailey. Um, one of my faves. I love Howie as well. So we're going to be talking about those are a few topics we're going to be covering in What's Tea. And then we're going over to our main topic, which is going to be what makes a man gay. Um, a question that basically, you know, that somebody asked in the DM when we were talking about what should, what do people want to hear from us next? Um, so I'm really anxious to be delving into that. Um, and that's a loaded topic. So I'm ready to go. Cool. So, of course, before we get into our main discussion, we're going to hit into our What's Tea segment, giving you guys a little bit of the scoop of what's been going on throughout the week. I'm not going to touch on everything, of course, but some of the things that stood out to us. Um, so, first up, we're going to be talking about the Timbaland situation. So, uh, maybe earlier this week, there was a situation where this Middle Eastern DJ kind of just showed some of those sample beats from popular, I guess, popular Middle Eastern culture. And how those beats and those instrumentals have transcended over into popularity into a lot of major mainstream um, songs in America, of course. And was just kind of like giving an ode to, you know, both cultures. So American culture and as well Middle Eastern culture. So it just so happened to be that she used Timbaland's music. So if you guys don't know, Timbaland has used a lot of Middle Eastern beats and has gotten a lot of Middle Eastern influence from those things, I mean, from those Middle Eastern, you know, um, yeah, a lot of Middle Eastern music specifically. So, uh, hmm. Um, the okay. thing of, oh, mm, go ahead. No, 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 you go, you go, my bad. So, where it kind of got weird was that some people were, of course, saying that it was sampling. As we all know a lot of these things to be. So a sample would be when you use an old song or a song that comes before a song that you made. And you kind of use that as the basis for, you know, as far as sound worthy. You kind of use that for the basis and the blueprint for your track. So uh, what was that song? Ariana Grande had did that Seven Ring song. And so... Soulja Boy had came out and said that that was actually Pretty Boy Swag. However, it wasn't. I don't even know the name of that song. What's that? What's that? Uh, that 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 Christmas song that that white woman created. God damn it. I don't know it, but it's one of those like old school like white musical songs that a white woman sang way back in the day. 
that Ariana Grande had actually sampled. And so, of course, because people like Soulja Boy don't do his research, he thinks that somebody's just stealing something from him and wants to cry poor me. Uh, I'm not saying that she couldn't have taken influence from him. However, the sample of the song was from that old white woman. I didn't do my homework on that because I, I, I really didn't think about that until just now. And so there's that. <laughs> You're forgiven. But uh, a lot of people, of course, called it theft because they said it sounded exactly the same. And I will say that I... I do see where people would say that. But again, people have to understand what a sample is, right? So as long as you honestly pay that credit and you pay them those residuals, you can do whatever the fuck you want with the song, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, and uh, yeah, well, actually we kind of talked about that with the Nikki situation, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, uh, Yeah. But also, Timbaland was also guilty of doing this in 2007 with another song. Um, the one that Nelly Furtado did called, um, shit. It was called Do It. Do It, yeah. But, yeah, it was mm-hmm. called Do It. And it sampled um, a Finnish a Finnish artist. Um, and I don't believe at the time Timbaland really gave credit to the artist. He did admit to sampling it, but he's, you know, but everybody was saying he stole it because the credit wasn't given. Apparently, um, he ultimately just called the claims ridiculous um, and absurd. Um, so didn't he get that? I, if I'm not mistaken, I do remember that. I kind of remember that that situation from 2007. Uh, that was like when I was pretty heavy into reading like pop culture shit. So I, if I remember, he said that he got that. He heard it in a video game. And so that's where he got the idea from. Mm. for that specific song which i can always understand because even some i mean i think it's kind of hard sometimes because even in the video games that i play these these days they don't necessarily put up on the screen who a song is by um i know like even when i play wwe sweetie is actually in wwe 2k20 as one of the feature artists on the soundtrack and i don't think that anybody who is a wwe fan well a far right wwe fan like most wwe fans are would even have a clue about who the fuck sweetie is so i think that a lot of people are also just under the assumption that a lot of video game music is kind of just originated for that song. I mean, for that specific game. And that's not an excuse. And I'm also not saying that that's 100% correct. But I think that that is sometimes the assumption. I think that some people think that there are songs made specifically for the production of a video game. And that's not always true. Um, Sometimes they really do find that influence in other folks. Hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. I never even would have thought about that, um, honestly. Um, but I guess people can have that assumption. I don't really play video games that much to really, like, draw, you know, to really speak much on it. Um, and the times that I did, it was usually playing Grand Theft Auto, and I was probably kicking somebody out of a car to rap music that I already knew before. Um, but, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, um, I definitely kicking, feel you that, You got to kick the old people out the car, you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, no. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Um... But yeah, um, I mean, I don't really hold Timlin in default. I mean, like, if he didn't, I mean, I, I think that it's a thin line when it comes to like, um, you know, sampling and everything. And I don't, I, again, I don't, well, you know what, let me shut the fuck up because I don't know Timlin and I don't know if he had any ill intention or anything or if he genuinely didn't know. Well, here's the um, thing though, right? Timlin is also known for just being a lyrical genius. Well, not a, a shit, not a lyrical genius a child. Genius. Lord knows, never a lyrical genius. Well, yeah, he, he writes songs too. So, yeah, he could be a lyrical genius. But overall, he is a genius when it comes to producing in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. People's 
I think that he said that he has produced for everyone, every artist at one point. This was an old article. At that time, he had produced for every major artist except for Rolling Stones or the Beatles, one or the other. Uh, so that kind of just speaks to... That speaks volume. Yeah, that kind of speaks to his level of artistry, his level of creative production, his, you know, creative intent. And I just think that this became one of those kind of polarizing topics for almost no reason. And it was almost as if people needed a reason to feel superior because people started, older folks started doing that thing where they were like, oh, um, what is it? Gen Z, who's after us? Who's after the millennials? Gen Z? I think it, I, I think it's Gen Z or iGen. Okay, cool. Well, whoever, I don't know what the difference is. Baby bottle pops. That's what the fuck we're going to call I them today. I just know that Shiloh's a coronial. What the fuck is that? That's the children that are born as a result of the, the coronavirus, like during the, you know, in the midst of it usually. I can't keep up with the girls, to be honest. Um, so I just feel like this was one of those polarizing topics that people of older age brackets, so millennials and older, kind of took upon themselves to kind of just shame folks who didn't understand what sampling meant. Uh, we live in a very different time period, so a lot of these people who are hearing these, like today's music, don't understand that a lot of the music that they hear are, are sampled by old artists, right? And I think we talked about this before, um, especially with the Nicki Minaj situation was how this is going to be interesting, how Tracy Chapman's win was going to set an interesting tone and pace for those projects to come who want to sample old works but don't get that clearance right because a lot of people are finding that influence in old music that they grew up to and i think that rather than making it a teachable moment of course older people have this thing and that that's my age bracket included we have this thing where we where we kind of forget when we were younger how it kind of feels and i don't actually i'm going to, not going to say that i think that people don't necessarily forget how they feel when they felt that they were condescended against, right? Mm -hmm. They were in condescending situations. And I feel like they want to shed some of that embarrassment that they felt from the older generations when they were, quote-unquote, being checked or they were being embarrassed by putting that on the younger generations. And I hate that. I hate that this became a younger versus older situation when it was it really didn't have to be as much as it was because it, it it became less about enjoying and appreciating the music that both the middle eastern culture and american culture has given us and it became a war of the ages and i just don't understand why it always has to do that it just shows elitism ageism and i mean i i just am tired of that um, I agree. Um, I'm also um, very tired of, you know, the two generations kind of being pitted against each other. Um, I know, um, of course, with music um, and other differences, such as when mom decides to tell us that we that we um, we basically steal um, their creativity and um, their genius. Um, I just feel like we amplify it. But yeah, you know. I mean, that's a very valid and that's a very valid sentiment especially when credit is usually being given, <laughs> right? Yeah, more often than most, like, I think, I really do feel like, you know, when it comes to our generation making music or sampling, taking music, whatever you want to call it, like, we do give credit. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I've always really, um, admired Timbaland's genius, um, 
I was a huge fan during the Nelly Furtado era when he was just kind of like just giving her all of these like futuristic sounding beats. Um, and and to be a hundred percent, I'm extremely ignorant when it comes to music, so I really don't know how many other songs he produced or what songs I listened to that he produced. But I'm like, I'm sure that they're really good. Um, and I also didn't hear the song that um, the Middle Eastern DJ was referring to, but um, yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, so it was like more than a woman, you know, by Leah. Okay. And then um, a Missy Elliott song. Yeah, I, um, I never heard more. Different songs like that he, you know, used those samples for. But I'm least interested in Timbaland as the producer and the artist and more concerned about his ways, his little cringy, like, pedophilic ways. Oh, I'm, oh, remember when he I said... Yeah, no. remember? Well, like, at one point he had went on record and said that he... <laughs> That he was in love with Aaliyah. Now, please keep in mind that Aaliyah was practically a child the entire time. That, I'm just noticing a trend when it comes yeah. to like older older black men and Aaliyah. Right. Really and, right. Like, so very hypersexualized. So very hypersexualized and was put into a lot of situations where, of course, other people knew about. And that's what we say when we say that there was a entourage and there was a cult of people who were protecting R. Kelly and who continue to protect R. Kelly because these men in these high positions, specific, specifically in the music industry themselves, have also been offenders of this, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's, yeah. So, overall, like, while they're arguing all of that, I'm like, yeah, we could be talking about so much more, including his heinous thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that could definitely be a discussion for another day, though. I had no idea that was a thing, um, and then he had those ways about him. Um, wow. Okay. Um, definitely something to unpack. <laughs> okay. And, um, something that makes me not want to really listen to him anymore, which will be hard, but I'm willing to put in the work. If I could stop listening to Miguel, I could stop listening to Timbaland. Absolutely. And also Michael Jackson. Um, but, um, do you, wait, do you have anything more to say? I don't. Mm-mm. Um, next up, we, I want, you know, um, Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people already know about, you know, the conflict between Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez shot Megan Thee Stallion in the foot. Um, and ever since then, she's kind of been a victim, not kind of, but she's been a victim to people just blatantly accusing her of being a liar, um, trying to tarnish his name, hating on him because he may be the better artist, which I definitely do not agree with. Um... But, you know, recently, Megan Thee Stallion came out and just blatantly said that Tory Lanez is an abuser and the charges were not dropped. You're going to jail. And I feel that shit. Take his ass to jail. Um, You know, um, Megan Thee Stallion is a very talented person. Um, I really do like her body politics and her sexual politics. I mean, I'm not really liking what she said before when she talked about just she doesn't want to catch new bodies so she has sex with the ex-boyfriends that um you know with the ex-boyfriends that she used to be with that are in relationships now (laughs) um but i like that she's pro-woman and she's just really comfortable in her own skin um with that being said of course um tori lane shooting her it's never an excuse nobody really deserves to be shot unless they're like raping and killing people i just want to say that real quick um yeah but you know on the internet like i said before people have been tarnishing her name people have been very pro tory lanes which is extremely extremely trifling in my opinion um and i know tory lanes has been calling her a liar um but uh I, I don't i think it's a very odd thing to lie about and i you know i feel like a lot of black men and black people in general 
um, you know, are very pro black women and protecting black women. But in this specific instance, they've kind of haven't been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people need to hold, you know, to hold themselves accountable and kind of will hold Tory Lanez accountable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's just like even when we're talking about R. Kelly, right? So God, it's there are just disgusting. so many things. So many people have revealed themselves in the industry about where they stand with this situation and not taking a stance on this situation. Let me be clear is taking a stance on this situation. Definitely. Because when we talk about harm, we talk about abusers. Megan Thee Stallion has become a very valuable asset in hip hop, right? So there's so many people who want to do work with her. There's so many people she wants to work with and it can only do, it can do nothing, but you know, heighten both brands if they choose to work together. Right. Yeah. And you know, Megan tweeted a series, tweeted a series of responses to it. Like you said. And one of them of course was like you even just said was, um, it's believe black woman until it's time. And I absolutely believe that she's right about that. And people have begun begun doing this thing where they villainize Megan um, as she's reached certain heights and peaks in her career. And I think that I've seen this before. I've seen this with Cardi B. But I think that the difference with Cardi B was that Cardi B was still saying, just like now, Cardi B still says things, just like, you know, a few months ago or a few weeks ago, when she had that issue where she was talking about the purse, but then had talked about this little amount of money that she gave away. And it's like, you only gave this little bit amount of ass money away, but you're also going online, going on record, talking about how you want to spend over 10 G's on a bag. Mm. So it becomes problematic in the sense for Megan, where it's, she is very much a private person. She only brings to the internet joy and dancing, and she gives you a very small glimpse of her life. And I think that's where it differs. It's because Megan has always told people that she's not an internet bitch. And I had kind of seen this villainizing kind of reach peak for me, and this is when I kind of got annoyed with folks, was because that whole Asian doll and city girl situation that we had talked about. Yeah. Where it was one thing for Asian dolls to feel a certain way, right? But then when other people who have, of course, no mention and no claims to this beef, like, you know, just the fans, like people like you and I, felt like they were entitled to hearing Megan speak out about something online, right? (laughs) And I'm like, y'all, she doesn't owe you guys proximity and she doesn't owe you her words. She doesn't owe you a fucking thesis on why she's sorry. None of that. And we know this to be true because she, again, she goes on record day after day, time after time, telling people that she is a very private person and she handles all of her matters that, you know, could cause her any kind of scandal or any kind of, you know, just dismay offline. And I understand that and I resonate with that because I, you will never catch me arguing with any fucking body online and you will never catch me airing anybody out that I know in my personal life online. <laughs> and it's just like this, this also just that, that masculinizing of her. Yeah. So with her height and her, you know, the way she's shaped. And I never understood it. Mm-hmm, it it's, it kind of plays into the idea that somehow she's, you know, put herself at risk <laughs> just off of, just off of the state of her being and how she's built and how she, you know, her stature is. And I, I, I can't come to grips with that. I don't understand 
what it is about her success and black women's success that is just so threatening to people. Specifically, and, it, it, and I'm going to tell you, it's usually black men, you know? They, oh, yeah, 100%. Because even when you think about, like, you know, the women like, um, you know, Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, she, again, she's very mas- you know, I said masculine, fuck. Muscular, I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Very muscular. And, you know, they were calling her a monkey because of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then as soon as she went ahead and got married to the guy, I think his name was his name Alexis? Alexis? White man. I don't know. Child. Whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, just, I just know the, the child's name is Olympia or Olympus. Because mm-hmm. I thought of Greek mythology, but yeah, no, it just seems like it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But those were the main people talking about her looking like a monkey, and as soon as she got married to somebody who really appreciated her, um, her stature, her face, her features, everything as a whole, black men kind of called her a traitor to a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really upsetting because it's just like I don't understand what's so upsetting about the existence of a black woman as a whole being unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah like Megan doesn't bother anyone and the fact that like her height you know you have people like you know Kendall Jenner and I believe they're the same height and I've never heard people refer to her as masculine mm-hmm. and I think that Megan's body is amazing it's nothing masculine about it it's very it's curvaceous it's bootylicious are you kidding me I wish I had an ass like that well, I think, Sorry. again, it's just the I whole idea of, like, being threatened, right? Yeah. And in hip-hop, there's a, certain, there's a certain identity that you have to protect. And that identity is, of course, very aggressive. And I'm not just saying that on, you know, through a lens of, like, anti-blackness, but overall, real aggression, right? There's this, I always have to be a tough, I have to be a G, I have to be a gangster. So that means, like, no association with cops, with I, which I absolutely agree with. However, I also wasn't shot in the fucking foot for rejecting somebody, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, let's be real. She tried to protect him, right? Yeah. She yeah. absolutely tried to protect him because even that day when the cops pulled them over, she didn't tell them that he shot her in the foot. But her story... So, she, she, so it's sad because you see it because even in their most trying times, right, black women are so desperately trying to protect these same people who will throw them under the bus for literally nothing. Like, for a fucking dog biscuit, they would throw them under the fucking bus because that's how they've been programmed and that's what they think. That's where their allegiances lie with with themselves because as we know, black men aren't looking for equality. They're not looking for inclusivity. They are looking to take that claim of power from white men. They are looking to take that crown, put it on their heads and sit on the throne and then treat everybody and pick up where white people left off and treat everybody the exact same way, if not worse. I have seen this. I have seen these dynamics play out. I have seen how men have tried to silence women in their graces in small small intimate settings because they just don't respect the things that women say and they don't understand these viewpoints and they just overall invalidate these experiences um so i i I would just have to say that i it's it's very on brand um for niggas to not care and also you mentioned something very interesting about how black men had kind of like villainized and kind of had said that (laughs) serena williams had went against her own race Mm, see the thing about the thing about when black men date white women Black men date white women because they are looking for entry in proxemics to whiteness, right? And they're that like that's that's their claim to fame. I have a white woman, so 
you know, I have the white man's biggest, you know, trophy. trophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have their trophy. I have a white woman. Black women usually end up with white men or other races because black men have done all but, you know, destroyed the black woman. So they criticize them every chance they get. They make sure that they know that they aren't the best looking. They try to compare their weaves and things like that with white women. Um, they demean their looks. They demean their style. Everything becomes about appeasing men, which is kind of weird. Which is weird in itself because it's like, Men say they they want to wholesome women, but they go out and get quote unquote hoes, right? So even when a woman is wholesome, she's not sexy enough, and then when she's a hoe, she's not wholesome enough. So it's almost as if men don't know what the fuck they want. <laughs> so it, it it's just really interesting that that point that you brought up alone is just interesting. But I don't want to stay on this topic too long um, because I don't want to take up too much time. So you know, feel free to you know jump back in, or we can just move on. I mean, like, overall, like, I mean, it's not really much to say on the topic. I just really want um, Tory Lanez to be held accountable. I want people to stop praising him. And I really do want people to stop supporting him because, in my opinion, he's really not a good artist. Oh, yeah. I think that it's, it's really timely. I, it's, it's, oh, it's cool that you guys are saying protect black women on social media. But I think it's time to do it more in practice than theory. This is a time when you can protect the black woman, take their side, and you know, um, and you're not doing it, and it's upsetting. Uh, and it happens very often, and I'm just kind of upset that you know um, she's falling victim to this type of um, verbal assault on the internet because I don't think anybody deserves it. This whole situation has been extremely frustrating to her. I can only, I can't even imagine because I'm frustrated by it, but to be in the center of it is very sad and it's very pathetic. Absolutely. Um, I can absolutely agree with that. I just hope that, of course, Megan gets the justice that she wants. And again, like you said, I hope that Tori is, aside from jail, right? I hope that Tori kind of can get that accountability process from somebody. Um... I don't know. Because, you know, when you look at, like, forms of transformative justice... You know, you have to look at what both the victim and what both the, you know, perpetrator want and what you can do to help both of them, you know, move on. And he actually tweeted something where he said that hurt people hurt people. And I feel like that was a dig at Megan, but I think that that's something that he needs to, you know, kind of revisualize and, you know, kind of internalize for himself. And he needs to put some people around him and get the help that he can get because he has the money and the resource and kind of dig into what he can do to be a better person to himself and then also just black women and other people in the world. Because right now, baby boy, this ain't it. That's on period. That is on period. <sighs> so moving on. The presidential election. Um, Shit, not the presidential election, but the presidential inauguration was earlier this week. I did not personally watch it, but Twitter definitely told me enough. Uh, so what was some of your favorite highlights from this day or some of the favorite highlights that you've seen, Erica? I mean, for real, for real, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to keep it a bean. I didn't see it either, but my highlight was Michelle's outfit for sure. Okay, cool. So let's talk about those outfits. Because <laughs> um, that's really what, because I'm sorry, like, even though like Obama wasn't the best president, Michelle's fits are always stunning, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That little burgundy number, I was like, are you kidding me? And then the hair flip on top of that, mm-hmm. I was here for it. Um, but she just looked, um, she looked immaculate. I'm sorry, I just, I, really, I hate the fangirl, but like, it was just the, the fit of the suit, the pantsuit. 
the hair, the color, it was right. Mm-hmm. The waist was cinched. The hair looked hydrated. Yes. Uh um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess my, my highlight from the day is honestly just like watching um Trump walk onto Air Force One, walk you know, walk to the plane and just fly off into the sunset and hide in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing him out of the White House was definitely very um, rewarding. I think that's honestly the only thing that I saw personally, like in you know, um, you know, live, because um, I had to work for the rest of the day, and then I had to also watch Coco Melon. So you know, with Shiloh's there, I can't really watch much TV of what I would like to see. <laughs> um, Absolutely, I feel that. Um, but that was definitely the highlight of my day specifically. What about you? Uh, well, first of all, let's revisit those outfits. You know. <laughs> I am going to be a hater for a moment and just say that I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, so I I think that it's like every time these people step out, like it's like seeing the upper one percent step out, right? And then everybody is always so is always just so amazed at how good they look, and I'm like, well, yeah, like they have stylists, right? (laughs) Like it's like no shade, but it's like I'm just so tired of celebrating these people who low-key, like, do horrible things or just, like, sit by and sit next to their men who do horrible things. And celebrating them. And as far as it was, like, you know, of course, Donald Trump didn't stay for the inauguration. He left before any of them could get there. Uh, It's such a prick. But, (laughs) but, um, I think that there was a lot of conversation going on around the whole Joe Biden being a sexual assaultant and of course Kamala Harris and her history of locking these niggas up girl Uh, (laughs) and so many people have these honest and valid critiques about why today not today but why Wednesday wasn't necessarily a celebration for the United States but rather a reminder of how much work that we have to do and I think that a lot of people were mad at that and they said that they were like stealing joy but I'm like, you know, just because something... It's not still enjoyed to being realistic. Absolutely, right. And so that's the thing about it is we want to we wanna always... We want to believe that Trump was the root of all these causes. I mean, was the root of all this evil that happened in America when he was really just a catalyst. Yeah. Just like Joe Biden is a catalyst for sexual assault. Just like Kamala Harris is a catalyst for, you know, these different notions of quote-unquote police reform and, of course, locking these niggas up. And also a catalyst for, you know, transgender people being in jail and incarcerated and, you know, being misgendered. And... I try not to go in too much on on Kamala because I understand that taking certain... Well, for all politicians, I think that's the problem, right? They take these positions to create change, but before they can create real change, they have to put themselves in compromising positions in order to get to the positions that they want. So they have to follow certain protocol and they have to meet certain quotas and they have to keep people locked up or keep putting this many people in jail or make sure this this amount of people stays in poverty so that this amount of people can gain this, right? And so there's no win in certain areas for certain people. And that's something that I said I would never want to partake in, which is why I had made the conscious decision to never be a politician because I understand that you cannot please everybody, but they're not trying to not please the wrong people, right? (laughs) 
So you say you're for the people, but you're still serving those folks who make over a certain amount of money a year. Mm-hmm. And you are still making sure that folks who are marginalized still stay, still stay marginalized. But you're just writing it off as reform and writing it off as change. And you're putting labels of hope and things like that on it. And so it's really no different than the slogan, Make America Great Again. So... <laughs> you know, I just I, I don't I don't like celebrating them. I don't like celebrating politicians. I think the inauguration is bullshit. I, 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 I think that Michelle Obama looked very cute. Yes, she and her imperialistic husband look very cute. They have money because that's what imperialists have, right? Yeah. But I also just stopped caring about Michelle when she shared those mints with the George Bush. <laughs> yes. No, I definitely feel that. Uh, I'm definitely not taking you know, away, and also just want to give like a little bit of um context. I'm not taking away from anything that um you know Obama done has done. Um, he's done a lot of horrible things, as did all of our presidents. Um, but I I and and again, hate to say it, I I did, I really did like the outfit though. But as no, and said, you don't know, but you don't have to apologize for that. Like you uh, again, I can say that she was cute, right? But then it's like when it becomes oh, a, no, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I feel that. I'm just saying I'm not making light of what... I just want to make sure people know I'm not making light of what, you know, what he's done and her silence and all of it. I just want to say that there is a huge line in the sand for me. Mm-hmm. Though the fact that she's not the best person, neither is he. The outfit was cute. That's all I want to say. But I know what you were saying totally. And um, as far... Yeah, and again, like, and like you said, um, honestly, our system is really... Not, it's, it's not going to be perfect with Biden... Um, it was really never going to be perfect with any presidential candidate we were going to get, unfortunately. Period. Um, because even course, Bernie. Yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, exactly what I meant. Um, the people who are applying, you know, who are running for president, they're never for us a hundred percent. Um, regardless of who's in office, unfortunately, black people are still going to be under siege. Um, the black community, trans community, the queer community as a whole, unfortunately. Um, I do pray that one day it won't be like that. I feel like in order to do that, we would have to kind of dismantle the whole system and just honestly just destroy the world as a whole. Mm-hmm. Abolish um, it. Abolish, yeah, abolish all it. that shit. All that shit. Delete all that shit. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but but yeah, but keep but to keep it being again the salty face that Trump had when he was walking out of the White House. <laughs> Absolutely, it really did make my day. So I'm still just, so I'm still gonna stick with that being the highlight for me. But, um, yeah, but I think, yeah, but I, but, oh, I'm sorry, were you about to say something? Mm-mm. I was just waiting for you. Oh, no. But, um, I, yeah, I don't think I have anything more to say about that. So, unless you do, and then if not. Jennifer Lopez singing the national anthem. No, no, no. This isn't what I wanted. I didn't want to start this, though. I didn't want to start this, Rashid. <laughs> like, so it's like, uh, child, the maid in Manhattan to wait, then made her way to the White House, child. Um, and saying for the imperialist, honey, and the category was what assimilation and adaptation because she was singing in everybody's note but her own. Uh, <laughs> um, people really say that she didn't belong there, and I would have to disagree because that's very on brand for her, for her, right? Because sis literally gives Europe to America to quote unquote unquote America tease. Because she's literally colonized Ashanti and Amory's careers and made them into her own. <laughs> so her standing at the White House and singing just kind of... Well, wait, did she sing the national anthem? 
Yo, I, I, I don't even know. When I saw that she was just there as a whole, it kind of threw me off because I didn't understand her stance there. Like, yeah, very on brand for her to be there, but she's just not a relevant artist, and I didn't understand why she was there. <laughs> like, it was just like, it was, I was like, I am confusion because why the fuck? Like, he would, like, what, like, who chooses the lineup? Is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, yeah. did, did Biden be like, hmm, you know, I think I want to hear J Lo today? It's just like, that's weird. It just really makes you like realize that there is no harder working agent in this world than Jennifer Lopez's agent. Because what the fuck even was that? Like, Ashanti was doing verses and J Lo was singing the national anthem. The math just didn't matter in that situation. I wasn't a fan. I At didn't all. hear it. I didn't hear it. I didn't want to hear it. I don't. I'm not a fan of J Lo again. Like I said before, I, I only time I've seen J Lo was during Selena. And but while we're also on the topic of Selena, just want to say the Netflix series Selena for Selena is a fucking scam. Is it? I don't know. I don't know if anybody saw it. It's just like it just doesn't look. It's not. I saw like a few minutes of it. I was like not here for it. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. If you're thinking about it, don't do it. Well, that's definitely good to know. I will keep that in, in consideration when I don't watch it because I probably wasn't going to watch it anyway. No shade because um, I've already seen the Selena movie. And so once I've seen that, you've pretty much seen it all. And I've read about her. So I'm all good on all the rest of the shit, to be honest. Fair enough. I feel that shit. Um, yeah. Well, um... Was I going to say something else? I feel like I had something to say to the, like, the Biden... Oh, okay, cool. Can we just kind of like just just for a second just take some space to talk about why people talking about Joe Biden, of course, being a sexual assaultant um, and not necessarily being held for his accountable for his actions is important to exam, examine in this presidency, right? It sets that tone that you can do these heinous things, have no accountability processes and make your way to the motherfucking white house. And again, I'm not saying that that isn't the foundation that America is built on because also we know at once women also were not included in the rights of the constitution and things like that. And the bill of human rights. Right. So it's like, we get to 2021 and I think the big issue about it is that people are having with it because I know I myself have this issue with it is the fact that there has been, we, we have not seen how Joe Biden has been held accountable. We haven't seen how his wife has held him accountable. We haven't seen what he's done to make sure he's holding himself accountable. And we as a community are not allowed to hold him accountable because he is held at a different standard and he has different levels of protection, making sure they keep those articles and things like that out of the air, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's where the big issue comes in at. So all I know is there's no space, there's no time. And there, I, I will not take the effort to educate anybody who comes onto any of my feeds who puts that dumb shit into the universe and tells people that they're bitter for having that critique of him. Because again, unless you have experienced sexual assault, you'll never understand what that does to a person. You'll never understand what that feels like to know that you've been through a similar experience and then somebody is able to take office who has done that to somebody. Yeah. And so it's just pretty much a power play. But yeah. So that's all I have about that. Um, I yeah. So um, I don't want to repeat what Rashid said, but honestly, just ditto everything he said. 
it really is a slap in the face to see a man like that or person like that just be elected to office despite the fact that he had a sexual assault background granted trump of course did too but it's just like wow it happened again mm-hmm. um and so we, it's like and back like, to back yeah so it's yeah it can be it's like it is it's not it can be but it is a slap in the face um, and, you know, I do pray for people who, you know, who are deeply affected by the fact that this man is in office, despite the heinous things that he's done in the past. Um, it's, it's, um, it's disgusting, but again, not surprising because we are in America. Um, and we don't really hold men accountable for crimes that they commit against women mm-hmm. or other, you know, community, marginalized communities. Um, yeah, that is some heavy shit though. Mm-hmm. Right. But um yeah, um I don't yeah I don't have anything else to say about the presidential um, inauguration right now, so I'm just gonna move on. Move on to the <laughs> which is I didn't mean to say it like that, but also like yeah. So from what I read, 114 gunshot related cases in Philly, including 10 children. Um, also, um, I was reading on the mapping the gun violence crisis for Philly. Um, to today, to today's date, there's been 33 homicides in 2021 alone, mm. um, which is already more than the days we've got. We've been in 2021, of course. Um, and from what I'm reading, it's a 3% increase from 2020. Um, so, yeah. So while we're talking about the 114 gunshot-related incidents in Philly, um, 112 were non-fatal and 26 were fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a very alarming number. Either Absolutely. way, I think that one one fit one fatality is enough. Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, death is a very tragic thing. I think it's even worse. And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm wrong in saying this, but I don't feel wrong in saying this. I think when children are brought into it, um, into senseless violence, it's definitely heartbreaking. Absolutely. Um, even more so now that. I have a child of my own because I can't even imagine as a parent um, the hurt I would feel if I found out that Shiloh fell victim to um, to gun violence. Um, I do understand that people are saying that this is related to the pandemic. It is a, you know, it is because of the pandemic that people are, there is an increase in violence. I believe on your page you posted something about this as well, Rashid. I did. So, how I kind of examined it and how I gave my... Oh, so you jumped right into it. Yeah, so my, my lens of looking at this was that I want these things to intersect with other issues that aren't being solved, but are also easily solvable, and also start to see how these are effects, direct effects and direct symptoms of the pandemic that we're going through, right? Yeah. Because if you look at it, last year was a record high for Philadelphia yeah. in 20 years for crime. Yeah. And so when you think about last year, what happened last year? The pandemic started. So when mm-hmm. you are cut off from all these different things that are honestly just rights, that should be rights for us, it creates this environment and it creates this community of violence because people are now looking to survive not like they aren't they weren't already trying to survive before but it becomes a little bit more enhanced right so education funding programs for kids and not police um giving their parents livable wages to be sure to be sure that they are you know um 
So, you know, just livable wages to be sure that those children don't have to be forced to seek out like harmful ways to survive um, are things that we need, right? And those are things that can be easily be delivered because we've seen how much money has just been quote, has just been pulled out of the fucking air yeah. during this pandemic, right? So we know that these people have always had these funds and they haven't been using them um, adequately. And I also just want people to realize that like, you know, white and rich folks will continue to work in their best interests, just like they've always done. So they will continue to create these laws that incriminate black and brown children, disregard those bodies that are labeled as others, and put tax weight on the poor to not only preserve their wealth, but to keep it growing. And they will continue to use like that vague language to their advantage to continue distributing the funds um, to go to things that hurt us the most while claiming that it helps. And you can kind of think about this again as far as how education is intently weaponized to keep us ignorant. So that's one of the reasons why they will not give adequate funding to the school district of Philadelphia because they recognize that it's predominantly black and brown. Why the fuck would you want to give black and brown people the early tools of knowledge to know how to A, dismantle a system and then B, create their own systems, right? Why the fuck would you do that? So I want people to realize that these things are very intent and the way that government officials and the way that the police district is, the way they move is very intently and it's inherently racist and it's inherently just, you know, um, pro-rich. It really is. Uh, I, 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 this is a very sad situation. Um, seeing that number was very shocking for me. Um, just hearing that a nine-year-old was shot in the head, you know, while, while they were left at home is a very shocking thing for me. Um, knowing that people are leaving these, leaving, it's one thing to have a gun in your home because I get it, protection, things like that. But it's another thing to just have these guns out for children. Um, and you aren't, you aren't putting them up sufficiently enough. Um, they're not in lock boxes. <laughs> uh, and also just aside from that, fuck that, to be honest, because I get it. Um, slip ups happen, but the intentional violence that is happening, this is not at the fault or at the hands of the people who are doing it. Yes, they have some accountability in it, but the government and the city officials need to look at themselves and they need to look at what the fuck they haven't been doing and they need to hold themselves accountable. You bitches are the reason why so much is going on and you can point the finger at everybody else, but when you do the math, the math leads back to you. Um... Wow. Okay. Um, well, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to be like that. This is like, no, but I need you to just, I just want to say real quick, I appreciated all of that input, you know, all of it, because it was a teaching moment. Um, and, I, mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that you said were very powerful just now. And I'm kind of just like letting it simmer in my head, which is why I kind of was like, yeah. <laughs> huh. I'm just I don't really know what to say I'm, I'm sorry my bad I'm just trying to gather my thoughts um but this is sad this is a very sad occurrence and I do believe that a lot you know that we were set up for failure in this way um and like I said earlier you know of course like you said the fact that there was a nine-year-old that was brought into this is very heartbreaking um just like all of the other children that were you know killed um mm -hmm. I don't I'm I'm kind of speechless uh, I'm very upset about this. I'm very hurt by this as a Philadelphian. Uh, of course, there's stuff, you know, going on in different places, but, you know, it's this is close to home because this is home. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I do hope that at some point we are able to kind of like work through this. Um, and when I say we, I just mean like, I don't mean the people, uh, I just, I just want better for us. I, I would, Mm -hmm. um, realistically just like the pandemic to be over. Of course, that's something that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I'm really happy that it will be distributed to, um, you know, the black community. Um, well, you know, it's supposed to be, Mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I did, I really didn't think about it, like you said just now. So I'm kind of I don't I don't have any feedback. Well, no, and see, and so that's the thing, right? So you are a mother who is in the house worried about her child, right? Yeah. And you know, I do not have kids, so I have all this extra time to do this research and to look into these things. And then also with running the Freedom Join page, I come across way more information than you can ever imagine, right? So. Sometimes I have no other choice but to sit and think on things from a very from a very critical lens. But everybody doesn't have that. And people also just don't have those critical thinking skills. And that's not at a fault of their own. So sometimes even when people do make those jokes, and I myself am a perpetrator of this, so I have to hold myself accountable in that as well. Sometimes we call ourselves calling people out because they don't possess those critical thinking skills. But I myself, this even goes back to that conversation that we had even back when um we were talking about the whole capital thing and people were trying to make those distinguishes between white power, white privilege, white supremacy, and things like that. You know, people don't have those skills of distinction, right? And again, it just is, this is a teachable moment, like you said, to show you that education is being weaponized. So you understand. Yeah. And when when it, when it gets put into perspective, you start to understand like, wow, like this shit is really happening. And we really didn't look and I really didn't look at it from this point of view. Yeah. And you're not wrong for not understanding these things ahead of time. Because, again, just as we said, we aren't taught to think like that. We are taught to see things at surface level and to place blame on those people who are on surface level with it. And so that's what's been happening. Um, and I just I want all the listeners to, re- to just if you have the time, and if you have the resource, just, you know, kind of ask yourself, how did you get here? What was your experience in your school district, whether you were in the school district of Philadelphia or not? Compare that to today and how hard it must be for kids learning today and think about what their outcomes are going to be different than yours and the education that you got. Um, Because I know in recent times, specifically with this year, everything that's going on and how hard it's going to be to transition these kids back to school, not even for a year to come, but for years to come, um, because there's a lot of catching up that they have to do now, how that's going to be hard for them. And how that transition alone and how this experience alone, being in a pandemic and realizing that people don't give a fuck about you, right? How that's going to impact their worldview. And I want you to take that and I want you to compare that to what your worldview is and was based on how you came up in the school system. I'm not trying to be like drawn or nothing, but I just feel like I was taking the church for a second. 
Cause I'm really just reflecting. I'm like, I wish you could see me, but I'm just looking off into the distance outside of my window. <laughs> Ever the distance. I'm just, I'm just like, it just wow. Like I really, I have, I do, but I do have to take time to think about this because um, this is a lot to unpack. And I do thank you for bringing it to you know to this episode today because I think that's something that we all needed to hear and we all need to actively think about. Mm-hmm. That was so important. Thank you for that. No, thank you for listening, hon. Oh, my God. So, moving on to something fun. Oh, yeah. Do y'all hear me? Something fun. Well, not even necessarily fun, but more joyous. Lighthearted. Yes, very lighthearted. <laughs> um, the Willy Wonka prequel is set for 2023. And from what we know is the Willy Wonka, I mean, the new Wonka movie if that's what it's called wonka will follow willy wonka on his early days before he became the king of the chocolate factory with no relation to r kelly child I'm tired. <laughs> so, tired. so i guess i find this a little interesting i find it interesting because from what i can remember and charlie it's supposed to be a direct prequel to charlie and the chocolate factory just so you know what i remember from that movie specifically was his father was like a dentist who didn't like candy, right? And so he couldn't have candy. Yeah. And so I see that being a very dark thing because even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory versus Willy Wonka, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, there was a major shift in, you know, the tone, right? In the Be- narrative, yeah. because yeah, there was kind of this darkness too, this dark mystery too. Willy well, Wonka. Tim, well, it was a Tim Burton movie, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Tim Burton has is very much known for darkness in his movies. Yes. So I wasn't surprised about that in the least bit. So this is definitely going to be dark, Wonka. Yeah. Um. Um. I I have mixed feelings about this actually. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, you know, I was a huge Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Um, when Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out, I was really happy because, of course, when you're younger and you like stuff, you want to see more of it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, send me all of the sequels you want. I just want to see more. Because, like, initially when I saw it, I'm like, well, where the fuck did the Oompa Loompas come from, right? And then, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory gave you some background. But now that I'm older, I think I'm kind of, like, not really. I don't like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as much as I used to. <laughs> um. And the reason being is because I think what why, why I like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory so much is because they didn't give you any background on Willy Wonka at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of kept you guessing so you could kind of form your own thoughts and, you know, your imagination could kind of run wild. But I think what made that movie as a whole really interesting was the fact that he was a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that... You know, and then when Charlie and Chocolate Factory, I kind of found out more. And I'm like, this is kind of, like, not as interesting as I thought. And then with this prequel, I'm like, can't we just keep this all to the imagination? Like, why do I have to delve into this more? But, I mean, I am interested in seeing what it's going to be like. Um, because, again, I am a big kid at heart. Um, so, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what this will be like. But I probably would have much been more interested in Willy Wonka remaining a mystery. Hmm. I don't, I'm really into mystery and so much more now that I'm older versus when I was younger and I wanted everything to be explained and like written out for me. Absolutely. I also, so just to just kind of talk about 
you know, who should play black people. I'm concerned about the thoughts of black people, child. Uh, <laughs> Are black, black people... people ever in Tim Burton movies? <laughs> Are they? because <laughs> like, like, you said black people and I'm thinking I'm like are they ever in Tim Burton I don't think they are well is this going to be a Tim Burton movie I, I oh you know what that's my bad because I really assumed that it would be since it would be the prequel I believe um, the person who worked on Harry Potter and Paddington is going to be working on this film what the fuck is Paddington it was like the movie about a bear with no. like with like a um rain a, a rain jacket and, a, and a, an umbrella <laughs> Not that's my synopsis of that movie. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. Okay, I didn't do as much. I didn't do that much research on it, but I need to figure out who's doing this because I'm, like, I'm like, just know it's a white. Just know they white, honey. Is it wild that you said Paddington and I thought Curious George? Like, no, like, because that's honestly what I get from Paddington is Curious George. To be honest. Do you remember Babar? I'm sorry, that's so random, but it was about an elephant. Wow, I used to call that Bar Bar. Okay, well, maybe. Okay, cool. So, but I do remember it. Okay, but we're quicksanding. Okay, Paul so King. just th- Paul, Paul King is making this. Is directing this. <laughs> he sounds white. Of course he is. <laughs> yes um so just to get back on topic um black people kind of want janelle monet or childish gambino to play early wonka but that's like a bit of a gamble right wait what wait i'm oh okay um because they're like these quirky characters okay all right cool i feel that okay um so like, I feel like that's like a bit of a gamble, right? Because just, can we cast kids as kids though? That's really what I want. Yeah, I would like. Okay, so like, so another thing I'm noticing is that like, you know, of course, with black kids in Hollywood, we get the same type. They're all light skin, what has the, probably the three B, three C here, maybe four A. Right. So Zendaya. I, are the, yeah. So Zendaya, um, Amandala, Yara, Shahidi, the the John from um, Sabrina. Who's the drone from Sabrina? The one who played Roz. Do you know what's really crazy too? This is another quick saying, but I didn't know Roz's name was Roz until this final season. I just, I'm just really, I don't know. What were you calling her? If you don't, know I was calling her Sabrina's black friend. But you know what? I can't really be mad because <laughs> she didn't really give anything off besides Sabrina's a best friend. So I feel it. Yeah. I think she finally kind of had a, a, a bit of character development. Yeah, because I was really here for the like whole while. new weird sister thing being all black women, but we're not even going to get into that because that okay. was trash and it was tragic. It was. So let's get back to our normal conversation. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But like, yeah. So I mean, like, if a re- so genuinely, if they did, if they were to make it into like a black character, I would prefer to be a darker skinned black girl, darker skinned black boy, because I'm tired of seeing the same light skin, mixed looking kid. It's just it's tired. Right. And it's then tired, and there's more to black kids than being mixed. And it's ridiculous. I don't know if this is like appropriate to say, but again, this is like a this is like a space that we've created, right? To just like have these honest thoughts. So, I have an honest question for not only you, Erica, but for other people. But I want to know if you all and you, Erica, feel like there has been this insurgence of acceptable darker skinned folks in mainstream media right 
Um, because when people be saying like, oh, like, you know, my dark skin and this, this and that. And it's like always somebody who's like the shade of like Janelle Monet or Gabrielle Union. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys still aren't even as dark as yeah, Lupita. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. <laughs> and it's really funny you said that. I think, I'm not sure if you remember, we had this discussion when I was pregnant, actually, because I was asking what is considered brown skin, what is considered dark skin. Right, because I would because think they're brown, so right? Many, yeah, because there were so many, there were so many black women saying they were dark skin, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, I thought you were brown skin. Am I, am I, am I blind? Like, it was really, yeah, so yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And You're not wrong. And, and I feel like a lot of other people will say the same thing. Yeah, and that's not to, that's not to invalidate the experience, right? But, if we're looking at media, we're looking at mainstream media. Of course, I'm a I'm a con major. I analyze these people who we see as quote unquote darker versus lighter, and even when those quote unquote darker people are brought to the screen, there is still a quota for how dark they can be, and so. I guess I'm genuinely just like you. I'm genuinely interested in seeing like actual dark people take on roles dark women specifically um because a lot of dark men have been getting the even though the roles they they get are usually like those stereotypical like fetishized sexy ass big ass like you know muscular black man like Idris Elba type like you know type somebody who they can look at and sexualize the entire movie um so I am genuinely interested in seeing dark women like True dark women get roles and get their time to shine and just be able to flourish. Um, but I, I, I just also just want to say that again, this is a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and so oh, shit, I, I forgot we were talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so I feel like okay, that quicksand, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. So I feel like. You know, asking for these black folks is kind of a stretch. Just a little bit of yoga I'm going so, on. I'm sorry, what was that? Stretch, yeah, yeah. That's accurate, yeah. So I think it's a stretch. Um, and I'm not saying I wouldn't want to see these people in those kind of roles, but I think that, you know, I think I think that both of them could do a, jo- a good job in that role, specifically Janelle Monae. Um, but maybe in 15 years when they do another remake... And they are actually able to have somebody who is age appropriate for Willy Wonka rather than getting like, you know, people who are over 30 and trying to get them to play like, you know, young roles. Because uh, I think that's another issue, right? Is I think that people are seeing that, that I, again, it's just that thing with, you know, people in articles and not necessarily taking the time to read these articles in their entirety because we as Americans have this lazy persona where headlines have become sufficient amounts of information for us. And even with the whole education thing, I don't know if people realize what prequel means. <laughs> it's not so like there's prequel, which means before the prefix, the prefix is pre, which means before. And then there's sequel. So, you know, that means after, right? <laughs> and so this is a prequel. And so the idea is you're looking to cast somebody who is younger than somebody who would have been Johnny Depp's age at the time that he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, because I was wondering <laughs> why people chose those. That's why I'm like, I wasn't like, I was like, um... Right, because it's always go black people. I'm here for that, always. But I'm just like, I don't know if they meet that qualification. Um, Even though they do look 
pretty they look good for their ages you know what i'm saying like i think that childish gambino overall just has that like nerdy teen look <laughs> which but is bit, but a bit raggedy absolutely especially with his comments um and his relationships yeah. and proximus to white people yes, um definitely raggedy in theory and practice uh, <laughs> um and then also i just I kind I, I kind of don't want to really see Janelle Monae in anything acting anytime soon, because Antebellum was an experience that I would that left a bad taste in my mouth. I would very oh, much. Oh shit! I didn't see that. I forgot. I'm it sorry, I it like, I was not terrible, but it was something we didn't need either. But I didn't. But I didn't see. It's funny because I saw the trailers and I didn't think it was going to be decent. I mean, again, she doesn't have that much acting experience. In Moonlight, she did some shit, but she really had limited time on screen. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not surprised by that. There's but that's the thing. I'm not going to say she doesn't have the acting chops. Right. So, the thing about it wasn't it wasn't her acting chops. It was just the whole idea of the plot line. So, if you guys are, if you guys aren't familiar with Annabellum... And you, want, and you don't want, and you don't want to hear it exactly. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, I would suggest just skipping, skipping through. Um, basically, she had got kidnapped, and so the whole time she is, while she's on this plantation, she is thinking about. She's trying to figure out where the fuck she is because she gets kidnapped and she wakes up on this plantation inside of this fucking cabin, and so of course she's now living the life of a fucking slave with other black people, and these other black people are just like, yeah, I don't know where the fuck we are, what the fuck is going on, right? <laughs> so oh no, this is terrible. And so everybody's just kind of thinking that they just ended up in this. Well, not everybody, but some people have been there way longer than she has, and so. She's just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on because at this point she thinks she's just woke up in this fucking like mystery, like, you know, mystic land where slavery is still going on. And so you get to the end and you find, you know, you get to the end where she's fought her way through all of this shit. She fought her way out of this thing and she, she, she got through to a phone call. She got through like 911 or somebody or whatever the fuck and come to find out she after she escapes she's just been in this preserved plantation that's actually a museum where people were actually like still using slaves to do shit and 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 so i'm just like yeah i don't think we ever needed a movie about how like you know actual black exploitation and labor as traumatic as slavery I don't think that needed to be recreated in 2020 or 2019 or whatever the fuck it came out, to be honest. Because I'm really tired of the slave shit. Yeah. I just like, can I see black people in space are fighting dragons and, and wizards and shit? And that's the thing, because it's like, it's it's still even one thing for them to actually use, like, based upon true story type narratives, right? Even though I really don't even want to see those anymore. But it's like, damn, like, for you, for your fantasy to be stuck on slavery, girl, like, what the fuck was that? It it, 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 it it was very Aunt Jemima. Um I'm pouring I'm I'm pouring syrup all over the place with this one. Uh it was a lot. I would rather never watch that movie again. It just was an experience. Yeah. Like it was so crazy that people were actually committing suicide and hanging themselves. Yeah, like hella hella trigger warnings needed to be all over that movie. And yeah, yes, antebellum. Um, due to the quicksanding, I think we should move to the next. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Something okay. even more fun. Oh my god. So I know y'all know about the busted challenge. Um I did my own if you guys wanna look. Was it corny? Yes, but it was on brand for me. Um, Chloe Bailey, you know, from Chloe and Holly, the you know, the sister duo, she broke the damn internet with her busted challenge. Shortly after her and Chloe created their own separate pages, Chloe came out with her busted challenge and just fucked it all the way up in the best way. I love Cause, that. Because, girl, like, first off, before she dropped it, the fucking robe, is you kidding me? Mm-hmm. The Versace robe was a flex in itself, and I love oh, that. Oh, my goodness. It was beautiful. And then she dropped it, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Chloe? Girl. Like, I'm, I, I, I was jealous. She absolutely ate that up. She looked beautiful. She mm-hmm. looks beautiful, period. Both of them are beautiful. Let me just say that. I'm not taking anything away from Hallie. Hallie didn't come out with the video, though. But <laughs> Chloe ate that shit. But that's Chloe the thing. Even Hallie, um, Hallie and Chloe did a live not too, like, maybe a day or two after. And Hallie was like, girl, you had the best busted challenge. And Chloe just had this, like, most humbling and most, like, surprising reaction like really you think so and i'm like now girl you know you ate us the fuck up first off i just want to just say i just love their relationship of course Mm -hmm. you only see it from the outside but like it just looks like it's such a supportive and healthy relationship Mm -hmm. amongst each other and i love it she's happy for her sister you know they're both happy for each other i love that um you know, I really do value relationships among siblings because, of course, I don't have the best relationship with my siblings. Right, same. As you know. Um, I mean, I, of course, I have Rashid, which y'all, with that being said, you guys, and I do cherish my relationship with him, and I do, you know, with, with Rashid, and I do hope, you know, that he thinks, that, yeah, what, fuck, I can't get my words out, but I hope that Rashid thinks that it is a prosperous um, relationship that we have, and I appreciate it. It's very genuine. It's very transparent. Absolutely. Um, but I just really do. I love their relationship. I love their dynamic. I love the fact that I saw that I'm seeing them grow up, um, you know, on the media, like on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that challenge was amazing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I think that's the thing, though, too. So, like, all the reactions have been very positive to it. But then, you know, it's like niggas always have to ruin things, right? Yes. Because I was seeing a lot of men, both straight and queer, making a lot of weird-ass statements about them. And they were very grooming-adjacent statements. Oh and they're like, I... oh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's so sexy, and yeah, like, Chloe and Holly are really it. And, you know, but in sexual forms, and, like, doing, like, like you know, the, the, the mouth-watering emojis. And I'm like, you know, keep it on the playground, boys, because, you know, a lot of you were very much grown when they were still on Disney. So that means you watch them grow up. And again, as we've explained, there's a very big difference between meeting somebody in adulthood and learning about somebody in adulthood and actually watching them grow up and then have and make sexual ass statements and unnecessary comments about their looks when they come of age. But you've already seen them in childhood. I I myself am in the same age bracket as Chloe and Holly, but... The way we experience, the way I experience life has always felt like I've been older than a lot of these people on TV. Uh, and of course, that's 
that's a society thing, right? Because, you know, society has kind of made me into this adult before I was even an adult. But even I myself have reservations against making certain comments about them. And I'm in their age bracket. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of, it's, it's, it's nasty. It, it feels so nasty. It is, it is, it is. And so, like, it kind of takes the fun out of it. And, you know, niggas are always like, well, it's there. It's there. Why why would they put it there? They don't want people to say something. And I'm like, baby, I make the distinction between knowing what to say out of my mouth and what not to say out of my mouth and knowing when to just be present and when to, of course, make sentiments all the time. So if I can do it, you can do it. It's just the fact that y'all don't want to do it. So, yeah, that that, that is kind of a problem for me. But, um, yes, Holly snapped. I mean, not Holly, um... Chloe snapped and like you said Erica I'm just really happy to see them along from just prospering I'm happy to see that even with making their own individual accounts Mm -hmm. I think that that was great for them because I think that that you know individualizes them because we can't just keep seeing them as a duo they can make music together but there are certainly things that they might want to do and I've said this I see Holly being like, you know, the dedicated actress and going off to do a lot of other things. And I can see Chloe being more music heavy and being that performer and that person who kind of gives Beyonce, like, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, like, I think that that takes away from Holly's effort. I mean, Holly's talents. And I don't think that does. I think that, again, I'm individualizing them. So I am creating an expectation which, you know, they are welcome to go against. Like, they are welcome to stay as a duo for the rest of their career, and I would be fucking happy. But from what I see and what they're giving off, I see them going in two different paths, and I think that that is great that they are finding their own footing. And that social media separation is kind of just one small piece of that, right? They're seeing themselves as individuals and not, in, not letting people continue to just group them together. Because... You know, even just the Busted Challenge in general, right? That was kind of different for people. So it was taking them out of that Disney mindset and that childlike mindset and seeing them as adults who can do what the fuck they want. And I love that for them. I really do. Um, I just, yeah. So I definitely I definitely agree with you on that. Um, and I just also want to say that uh, I can't wait to see Holly and The Little Mermaid. I, I wanted to say that from, from for a while. So. Yes, we love the Little Mermaid. Um, the Little Mermaid is my thing. I also didn't know Little Mermaid had a prequel to it, Ariel's beginning. Cause I was always wondering what happened to her mom. But I just wanted to say that. Um, but I'm re- I'm really anxious to see where Chloe and Holly are gonna go. Um, I'm a huge like I'm like I mean I'm not I'm a huge fan of their you know of of, of them as a whole. Cause I'm not going front and just be like I listen to all their music. I know Rashid listens to them more than I do. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're very talented. And I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. Um, Absolutely. Um, but uh, also another thing that I you know that was uh, that was on the list you know for what's tea and everything is Danny Lee. So I'm not really familiar with Danny Lee. Um, I'm not going to sit here and act like I am. I can tell you, I've seen her name. She's one of those people who pops up in like Apple playlist. But I'm almost certain that I always skip over her songs because I couldn't tell you one song by her. Yeah, and I don't think anybody really can. I think she's more, she's more, um, people know her more so from The Shade Room. 
Um, cause she seems to be in a lot of the things on there, maybe like a little bit of scandals and just, you know, just basically thirst trapping. Not that thirst trapping is a bad thing or anything. I'm, I'm here for a good thirst trap, but Danny Lee is like a singer. She's a songwriter. Um, and apparently she, um, helped directed one of Prince's videos, um, prior to his death. Um, I think the song is called breakfast can wait. Um, but since then she's kind of rose to fame, um, not really notable fame because people still really don't know who she is. However, <laughs> um, I saw that she got into a little bit of a thing with Suki Hana because she came out with um, a light skin anthem um, where she's praising yellow bones, red bones. Um, and I just really wanted to put this in our little lineup because. I really want pe- so I know that she's saying these things like you know everybody like, light skin light skin women deserve to have a song about them, but I just also wanted to be noted that light skin women had songs about them for decades because that was the standard of beauty, um, mm-hmm. for so long. So she kind of discredited what Sukihana was saying about how she needs to really um you know embrace all different shades of black women, um and she had no desire to do so in the song and continued to blast her yellow bone song. Um, when it comes to, you know, praising light-skinned women, I think it's really unacceptable at this point because a lot of people were hurt by, um, the coloristic statement, colorism statements that were happening, um, years prior and even the things that are still happening now where light-skinned women are oftentimes praised just for simple, just for their skin color. Um, and dark-skinned women and brown-skinned women were always kind of just put down. Um... I think that colorism is very disgusting. I know a lot of people still practice it. Um, it is very much ingrained, ingrained, I said ingrained, that's funny as shit. Um, <laughs> ingrained in the black community as well as other communities of color. Um, but it is unacceptable to kind of create any type of hierarchy where you're prioritizing one person's complexion over another person's complexion. Mm-hmm. And I do understand where the concept comes from, but sweetheart, it's 2021. Okay? All black is beautiful. <sighs> But can we also just start at the, uh, not start, but can we also just continue with the fact that she's not black? Yes, she's Dominican and she's all different types of Hispanics and white. I think she said a (laughs) sprinkle of black, but. And it's like people, okay, so here's the issue with this Afro-Latino thing, right? Or this Afro-Latina thing. It's like so many people are just misinformed at what Afro-Latina, Afro-Latino and Afro-Latinx what those terms mean and what is the representation behind that <sighs> she doesn't get treated like she's so i'm so afro latino or afro latina i'm just gonna say afro latinx right is this sub it's like this subgroup right of latinx people who are black and who are noted noticeably black and have black proxemics and share a certain shared experience different from that of those who are white. And so that can kind of be, that definition is maybe a little off, but as far as right now, you know, I think that that's appropriate. And so when you look at these old photos of like Danny Lee, you see this, Latinas girl like you see this white girl you see this white latinas girl right <laughs> and so i think that's where a lot of this a lot of this 
disconnect between the black community and um, the Latinx people coming at as well because, you know, they don't see their, you know, Hispanic, you know, there is Hispanic or Latinx, you know, background as being able to be white. But in a lot of spaces and a lot of settings, they are very passing. And for a lot of them, sometimes if you don't ask them, you really don't know. Because of even when I was in college, I knew so many Hispanic people or Latinx people who I didn't know identified as those things because I truly just thought they were white because they truly looked like the people they were hanging out with and who they had wanted to gain proximity to. And so, you know, being black, right? Black is a shared experience among a group of us. It's not just our skin color, right? But it has become this shared experience among people, right? And so we go through our own specific disadvantages and our own trials and tribulations that other people can't necessarily relate to. And that's what makes us black. And nobody is going to look at Danny Lee prior to those lip fillers and prior to, you know, her tanning or, you know, her using Kim Kardashian's, you know, foundation and read her as black. She is not going to experience those same levels of trauma. And again, she's still, she's still a Latinx person. So she is going to, she is still going to have her own difficulties, but she will be able to, gain way more opportunity and she's going to be able to gain way more access to things than a black woman would be able to right and so it's harmful because it's like not only are you making this colorist stand but then it shows how you know where your where your values lie when you do things like go around black fishing and shit and making people believe that you're black when we look at pictures of your photos and they're white people and people think that 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 down the line thing because they think that because Dominicans descend from, you know, Africans, right? That that gives them proximity to blackness. But people don't realize that, that, exp- that that's not how that works. Because your grandmother could be black, but you could absolutely be white. <laughs> okay? Um, and it's the same thing where it's like your mom, right? So... Say I had a half black mom, right? I well, I do have a half black mom. I have a my my mother is half black and half white, but my dad is full black. Mm-hmm. So say it was opposite, and my mom was still half black and half white, but my dad was all white. Even though I technically still have that black blood in me, my experience is going to look very different because how I would show up in the world is I would show up as pretty much a white person, right? Mm-hmm. So people would never question who I am. They would never question where I come from. And even if they did find out that my mom was half white, it wouldn't matter because, you know, she she still has she still has that distance from blackness. Mm-hmm. Um because as we know, times are not like they used to be. So there are people who don't believe in integration, but for the most part, that that's the new trend. Like mixing and, you know, miscegenating and, you know, I'm saying trying to get that black out of your blood is the trend now because everybody is looking to be mixed. Everybody's looking to be exotic. Everybody is looking to just be, you know, anything but black. And that's how they're achieving it. While 
while the same people we're looking to be like are looking to be us. And so it's just weird. Um, And, you know, those are really just my thoughts and they're imperfect thoughts. So people can always feel free to like, you know, challenge me on those thoughts. I have no problem with that. You can slide in my DM. I have these conversations with people all the time. But those are, you know, I I don't really want to dwell on her too much because I feel like we have this discussion a lot. Like, it's very, it's just very tiring. It's very tiring when you have a certain experience as a black person and you see people getting a come up off of something that you've been down for your whole life. Yeah. No, yeah, um, I agree. Um, I think that it's a tired thing, and I understand your frustration about it. I just wanted to really bring it up because, um, well, I just feel like it needs to be said because I feel like some people still don't understand mm-hmm. why these things can be hurtful and why it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I mean, honestly, those are all my thoughts on the Danny Lee situation. Um, but also prior, you know, but also just kind of adding on to that, I did. I'm not sure how accurate it is, and I probably should have done more research. So it was my fault. I heard that that was also a response to the. Um, I think she's dating the baby. Is she? And, and that was a supposed to be a jab at his baby mother. So, oh no. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I did see some tweets about that, but again, I'm a busy person, so like everything that I see, I can't oh, always know. look into. Um, but that is, yeah, that that's actually very on brand for bitches like that. Yeah, very on brand. Wow. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. But you know, like we said, we're not going to sit here and dwell on this. But what we will say is, we are about to move on to our main discussion, which is what makes men gay. Um, so if you guys want to just take a break really quick or you want to come back to this podcast, um, you want to go get something to eat, um, go warm up some food, whatever it is you need to do, please feel free to do so and come meet us back here um, in about three seconds, okay? Hey, you guys, it's me and Rashid back with you, and we're going to be um, diving into our main topic. Um, the topic is what makes a man gay. Um this topic came to be because I posted, you know, me, Rashid, um, as well as on the collaborative page that we had, the girls' room page. Um, we posted um, asking you guys what are some topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, and I got a question asking, well, does if a guy likes to be pegged, does it make him does it make him gay, or like what exactly does make a man gay? So we thought it would be a great topic, a main topic, since it's something that you know we both kind of hear often. So mm-hmm. we wanted to tackle it and nip it in the bud right now. Um, so here we go. Um, first off, um, you know I think I I want to start off by just talking about the definition of gay. Mm-hmm. Um and you know usually when people are saying gay they usually mean a man loving another man a homosexual male you know mm-hmm. um so just first and foremost um being a gay man being gay is when you're attracted sexually or romantically to another person um that's the same sex as you mm-hmm. um so just right off the bat there um if it's not a man you're probably not gay but if you're liking if you're if you're into the man you're you're, you're you're queer. You know what I'm saying? But but also just to just to um kind to enforce, if not if not reinforce, the idea that no, um bisexual women are not just gay men who fuck women occasionally. Um there's very much a different identity that has its own lens of navigating throughout the community and society. Um and also men who date transgender women are what, Erica? 
people and accepted. But also straight. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but all, oh, okay. but also straight. I, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Cause you're like a, cause you're like a woman. Yes, exactly. Yes, I'm sorry. I um, I was really held in on that. Um, I thought that's kind of where you were going, but I should. I messed up. I dropped. It <laughs> it's all good, sis. Um, but yeah, you know, um, bisexuality isn't just a 50 50 thing also, by the way, um, mm-hmm. I just want to just put that out there. Cause a lot of people feel like, you know, um, it has to be split down the middle. It's no problem. If you like men more than women or men, you know, or women more than men, um, if you like both sexes then it's fine, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, as many of you guys have pointed out, um, unfortunately, there is this terrible belief where if a man loves, like, you know, is attracted to another man, whether it's, you know, whether it's um, romantically or sexually, they're automatically assumed to be gay because for some reason sexuality is very cut and dry for men where it's not, you know, where it's not like that for women. For women, it's more flexible. Um, people are more tolerant when it comes to women loving other women. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that, there could be other types of notions as well, kind of like maybe just a person, you know, the woman being promiscuous, um, which is sad to say. Um, biphobia is very real, and it's not tolerated, but men are able to like other men as well as women at the same time, and they're bisexual. They're not gay. Um, I just wanted to say that first and foremost. Um, so, you know, just speaking about, you know, ways that, well, you know, ways that can kind of label men as being gay as far as, like, a man liking another man, despite the fact that he also likes women. What are some other things that you feel like men are often labeled as gay for, Rajiv? Well, just going back specifically to what I said, um, the whole idea of men who date trans women. Um, just to reiterate again, transgender women are women. It doesn't matter what their stages are. In their journey, they are women. Um, so this means pre-op or post-op or passing or non-passing, which can have its own hierarchy or whatever. Um, they are women. And I, I, I say this because men men now do this thing where they recognize transgender women as women as long as they no longer have the genitalia of a penis. Um, and they have decided that their masculinity is kind of dependent on dating someone with a dick or not, right? Um, so I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's weird because I, I, you know, because I know people who date trans folks, um, not necessarily exclusively. Um, and so though my friends are not, well, hmm, I can't even say that because, you know, sometimes you're guilty by association. Um, I've had run-ins with their friends and their friends have made very weird statements uh, by the about this and you would think that people who are dating those folks will try to have a little bit more a compassion for them and a little bit more empathy and then also do a little bit more research and so you kind of start to understand how that is more of a fetish rather than a you know genuine interest right a genuine pursuit of love right um, and so again, so like, you know, gen- genitalia really just does not determine gender and that's on period. And so I've come into a point in my life where I realized that like gender, like other identities is a lived experience. And so the way that you interact with people informs your gender and your gender kind of informs the way you interact with the world. And so how can I kind of give an example of that? Um, so like trans women in sex work, right? Um, more 
trans women are less likely to find what they call quote unquote honest work. So they have to turn to sex work uh, because of discrimination. Um, gay men in closets, um, men in the patriarchy standard and expectation, um, white people in avoidance. So people's identities kind of inform how they interact with the world around them, right? Uh, yeah. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, wait, before I say this, I just want to say something else real quick, just to just make sure that this is also, um, emphasized. It's really inappropriate to ask trans people uh, about their genitalia. Yes. Um, they're not, um, they're not their genitalia. Mm-hmm. None of us are really our genitalia for real, for real, but please don't ask that. That's very inappropriate. Um, and it's unacceptable. Um, mm-hmm. I just oftentimes think of that interview that Wendy Williams had with, um, Laverne Cox. Um, where she kind of tried to, she kept trying to like, you know, um, probe at, you know, the conversation towards the genitalia. Oh my God, did she do that? Yeah, it makes me cringe often. Um, So I just kind of wanted to say that. um, And I, you know, um, I just want to make sure that I said it here because I know people listen. I just want to make this an educational moment. That's not acceptable. And to please don't do that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that. I really do. uh, Yes, that's a sentiment. Um, just specifically because we've also come into this time where they do this thing where they're like baiting. (laughs) It's like, they do this thing where they're like, oh, baiting. And, you know, she baited this person and they baited this person. And I'm like, no, you know, attraction is attraction. And you were attracted to somebody who just happens to be trans, but is definitely a woman. You don't have to be ashamed for it, boo boo, because you're definitely still straight. If that's what your masculinity relies on. Um, but you also don't have to be violent. Uh, when it comes to these reactions, when you find out that, you know, you think you were swayed, but your attractions and your sexual desires are just, you know, to control. That's really not her problem. That's more so a self-control issue, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, also, before I answer your question, I just want to say that I am deeply embarrassed. Could you repeat the question for me, please? Oh, no, no, no. My my question for you was, I I wonder what your experience with... You know, like, what discourses have you come across as far as, like, trans women and, you know, men dating trans women, well, cisgendered men dating trans women, and what has your experience been around those um, discourses? I mean, quite frankly, I don't think I've really had any um, amazing experiences um, around cis men who date transgender women. Um, Oftentimes, unfortunately, I am sad to say that, you know... um, the men that, well, I, again, I don't come in contact very often with men who are into trans women, at least openly, but the ones that I have come in contact with have kind of done it in the shadows, um, which I never understood because I feel like you love who you love. You're attracted to who you're attracted to. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And just because you like a trans woman, it does not make you homosexual. It makes you straight. Um, because as it's, as, as it is said, you know, they are a woman, mm-hmm. um, I think that I think I really do think that um, when it comes to men, you know, cisgender men liking um, trans women, they need to lo- love them out loud. I feel like everybody deserves to be loved out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's an insult to do it in the dark. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure if that answers your question. I don't I just genuinely me personally, as far as like my own personal experiences with them, I really haven't met any um, any cisgender men that have been doing it, loving them out loud. I wish I did see those. I see them, of course, on social media or like, you know, through um, a friend of a friend, but none from personal experience. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do hope to see more of it. Um, and I do feel like there's more positive interactions with um, men loving trans women, cisgender men loving trans women. Now that you know we have shows like Pose around, um, there seems to be more conversations about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, oftentimes I don't, I don't, I don't really hear that much about it, unfortunately. Um, but it just certainly does not make you gay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that those discourses they they differ, right? Um, they definitely differ. So those conversations are going to look a little different. And so even for myself, I, yeah. So those discourse, those discourses are always really going to look different depending on what space that you're in. And just remembering that because gender is different to different people, they're going to send those discourses are going to sound different. So some people aren't going to acknowledge gender as a thing and some people are going to acknowledge it as a thing and have a clear view on it. Um, And people who don't, that's also just going on record to say that people who don't believe gender is a valid thing, they also have a clear viewpoint on what it is too. Um, And, you know, neither of them are wrong. Um, It's really all about experience. But yeah, so just to clarify, um, dating trans women is something that people get labeled, well, men get labeled for being gay all the time. Um, and it's just definitely one of those things where it's like, baby, you don't read, but here you go. Here's a few articles. Here's a few books. Um, take this read, take these reads, take these documentaries and just do some background research on things before you just open your fucking mouth sometimes, period. Oh, for sure. But you know what's really funny? Um, of course, like, this is another instance that where, like, you know, there are huge differences between you and me. Initially, when I asked the question, um, like, what are things that men get labeled as gay for? I really didn't think about that as a whole. I didn't think that, you, you know, I never thought to think about that. Um, and But, you know, um, of course, men do get called gay for, like, insurance women. But I was really thinking back to, my, to our time, you know, like, teaching at the collab. Um, where we would kind of, like, have the kids define what masculinity is. Mm-hmm. And the kids said really outlandish things like, oh, you know, grooming. Grooming can make you gay. You know, taking care of your skin. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's so actually like, on my list. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when I think of things, of course, like, and I just want to say this real quick. Um, your answer was totally valid. And it's a great answer. Um, of course, because I'm more childish and thing, I did not think that through as an answer. Oh, my God. Um, please don't do that to yourself. All right, fine, whatever. Anyway. Um, but like, yeah, one of the things that I think they, you know, a lot, well, not I think, but a lot of guys think, you know, get um, labeled as gay for is grooming, which I never really understand as a whole, because I feel like everybody should take care of themselves, their body, um, the hygiene. Um, I'm not really sure at what point um, in this world that it was kind of like deemed to be a feminine thing, a womanly thing to do to take care of your body, um, to take pride in your appearance um, and your scent and your and your body hair and other things. Um, I'm not really sure what conversation that was and when it was had, but it's extremely violent. I just know, I know we weren't there. <laughs> I, was, I just most certainly wasn't there. I just remember, you know, I had, you know, I had a friend and, um, you know, her father um, was always grooming and the kids would call him gay. Like, you know, he had his, like, he had his nails manicured. He smelled nice all the time. His facial hair was, was like, it was like, it was barely there, but it was very like maintained. And I just remember them calling him gay for it. And I never understood it. Cause I, wow, even as a child, I, even as a child, I had the, you know, the common sense to know that he cared for himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something I don't understand. And it's something that men do get labeled as gay for, and they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I, I, I myself, um, I've literally heard women um, say, I don't want a man who's cleaner than me or I don't want a man who's prettier than you me. Li- well, I'm sorry, you lying. I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. absolutely not. You're That's cleaner? an actual thing. Like, even when... So even when you think about Y'all men, are smoking dick. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't, even I, when you think about men who like even have like longer hair and like men who like practice like hair care, they're like, oh no, he's like he's prettier than me, he's cleaner than me, or you know he he knows more about hair than I do. Like I don't want a man that's like that, and I'm just like, huh? I mean, and and, and you know it was at that point, it was really at that moment that I really understand how a lot of these girls allow niggas to finger pop them while they have Dutch residue and ketchup from the cheesesteak that they had earlier under their nails. And that started to make way more sense. Yes, the hot Cheeto dust, exactly. That started to make so much more sense to me because it was at that point that I realized that it's not only just men who have these... these toxic ideas and this this was a while ago that I realized this, just so y'all know. Um I had realized that it wasn't just men who were, you know, spewing these I these toxic ideas of what men are, are supposed to be and what a man is and masculinity being masculinity and femininity being on two different polars of a binary, right? Um I had started to realize that women were just, cis women were just as much as a perpetrators of like patriarchal like harm, just as much as men can be. A hundred percent. Um, cause I even think about my experience growing up in a household, you know, we practice grooming and we practice hygiene. Um, but certain actions they would like try to call me out on because it was a little bit further than what the typical, like, you know, um, straight man would do. So, it also becomes a question of how clean is too clean, right? Because they do want you to have certain... So they want to make sure you don't leave, like, you know, the toilet seat up. They, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, your your hair is cut and things like that. That you have nice... Like, in my house, my grandmother and my aunt both, like, appreciated a man with nice nails, right? And so they appreciated that. But there were still other things that, you know, it was like, well, how clean is too clean? So I was always very organized. Um, so, like, whether it be in school... Or whether it be at home sometimes, I you know, it was, oh, like, you're you're so organized. Like, why are you so organized? And I'm like, well, why is that a bad thing? Um, and it, it wasn't just, like, my effeminate, like, me being effeminate. It was also really just the way I positioned myself. Um, where I realized that things like organization, like, having good organizing skills is associated with being feminine. You know, I, okay. No, 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 no. So I, I welcome you to really like just chime in on that because like that's that so weird. It's crazy. I, I never, I never heard that either. Really? No, that's so weird. I'm sorry. I'm just like, like success kind of, it's weird because I don't know. Like people look at men who are gay or have certain like certain you know, some of those like stronger quote unquote feminine traits as also being more likely to succeed. So, you know, growing up, it was never really a shock to anybody that I was, that I was um, gay, but there was also just different traits about me that always made people think that I was going to be like more successful than what I, I, I had envisioned for myself. And while I thought these things were just normal, again, like organizing, like having organizing skills, having good handwriting and things like that. You do have good handwriting, I will say. But like, you know, people always was like, oh, you have handwriting like a girl. And I'm like, what? Like, uh-huh. what the fuck does that even mean? 
and, the opposite, so I definitely feel that's weird. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, so, like, just, yeah, so just like that, like, the grooming and just even, yeah, I, I don't know, like, yeah, but just, like, to expand off of what you had just said, that's kind of, like, what I had got growing up, I, I, I really did. I heard that, and I, I, I've heard that, even from some of the friends that I still have today. Of course, you know, I worked through that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, because they're my friends, so they get a little bit more leeway than these bitches in the streets. But, um, you know, it, it, I, it's, it's a lot of just socialization and a lot of harmful things that we've learned and that we've been programmed to believe as natural when people don't realize that these things were actually just taught some time ago and we were never able to like, you know, form our own ideologies and we were never able to like study other culture. Um, Westernized culture is very specific and they make sure that you are following certain things so that you can assimilate to their white world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I don't know. And it's crazy because I feel like, that grooming thing, even though I do think that white people are kind of like, you know, kind of root of it. Yeah. Even, no, not, not even that, but I think even though that white people correct me if I'm wrong or even just give your sentiment, other people to chime in, of course, give your commentary. But what I've noticed is white men are given the space to have a little bit more grooming because even in those stores like target and, you know, bath and body works, when they have those like sections for men, the ingredients are always targeted towards white men, right? Um, because I don't have the same hair as a white man. I don't have the same skin as a white man. So I require different, you know, different um, hygiene products in them. Um, more, you know, more, sen- you know, more sensitive project, um, more sensitive products. <laughs> and it, it seems like they're given a space to be a little bit more to upkeep. Um, even when you yeah. think about how they grow out their hair, they're able to like experiment with their hair way more than what black men are. Yeah, and it's also it's it's just it's um yeah, they're not giving shit for it because like, you know, I'm thinking about how they colonized the man bun, you know, that's a sought after hairstyle a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course when it's straight. But you know, you have black men that do that, whether it's their own modifications, dealing with braids and things like that, and it's automatically kind of written off as kind of like being ghetto or being unkept. Or even when it's like not braided. You know, yep. black men have been doing, you know, braids for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's often seen as unprofessional and just yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely agree with you because like I'm just really thinking about going down the beauty aisles. There's never any products for black men there. And you know, even when um yeah, no. I mean, like, I think Shea Moisture has a line of stuff for men. But, like, yes. even then, mm-hmm. not so much. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. But you're then right. even the way that they, like, kind of catered those products to those men, right, it, it, it's very centered around their beards because beards are supposed to be the only acceptable form of hair care yeah. on a man, right? Because yeah. we know scientifically that beards are actually the dirtiest things that a man can have on his body. And even also thinking back to the different... Pro- so, like, even... Okay, so, you know, you had the, the various lines of skin care or hair care for women, and then you go to things for men, and it's, like, the six-in-one body wash mixed with, 
it's like the body wash, the shampoo, the conditioner, the dishwasher, the deodorant, the nail. Yes, water. yes. And it's just very odd because I'm like, how can all, how can this one thing be catering to all of these purposes? Mm-hmm. And it kind of like sets that standard for laziness. It like yeah, sets it that standard for like you shouldn't be putting in that much work to maintain yeah. hygiene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, you're definitely right about that. That's that's they're set up for failure for that. But, you know, I oftentimes think about this one interaction. I, I'm not sure if you remember me telling you this, but somebody was telling me that they didn't wash in between your, their cheeks, their ass cheeks, because they thought it was gay. Um, <sighs> they, they were, but they were leaving, like, so, but they smell, you know, they smelled, and they were leaving um, shit stains on the sheets. So. I'm in actual fucking tears right now. Like that's my takeaway. I don't know how you. How do you feel about that? Right now? But like, it's, I'm, about to, I'm about to be like you. What's your What's your discourse around that? <laughs> it's so true though, because even me and Chantel, um, Chantel's my best friend. For folks who don't know, me and Chantel were having this conversation about how men. We found out, I, I grew up in a household where we not only use one rag, but we use two. So one for the face and one for the body. And it wasn't until we got to adulthood that we realized that men were either using one rag or no rag at all. Yeah, and so I, they're I just know, putting... Yeah. Men, yeah. All the, men, all the men's bathrooms I've been in, it's all, it's like, oh man, like, it's, it's such, it's such a luxury to see a guy that uses like like you know two rags but also like on top of that one rag that doesn't look like it's on its last leg because it's like every like and, I, and i'm really it's really drawing i can't tell you how many niggas bathrooms i've been in where they like they have the one washcloth for their body and it has holes on it like whole, like real like literally hanging on by a thread i'd be like what is going on but also when you realize that sometimes Not your dick inside of me let me stop like oh no uh, <laughs> but then also like when the rags are like dry and they start to take form of whatever it is they're hanging on because it like has all this like dirt and like soap oh residue left on it goodness, and no, it's like it's still <laughs> like stiff wear right there bitch I'm sorry I just had to grab the wall behind me because like, that's just ridiculous it is it's just so tiresome it's like these niggas really just like they have so much opinion on everything but they don't even like put rags in between their asses like y'all Not literally you talking have about my, my leave out and you can't wash your ass right like, like you literally have doo-doo crumbs like literally falling out the midst of your ass like as you sit online and talk shit about queer people trans people disabled people and i'm just like babes do better go wipe your ass like it's giving nothing because you did nothing to you know secure your hygiene uh yeah um so what else like what else what else have you well hmm yeah what else what else have you like seen or heard that you know people kind of associate men with being gay for Uh, um oh man like it's just so many terrible things of course when men are like being like showing their feelings yes it's it's the sign of being gay. yes Uh, you know without a shadow of a doubt they're so right let me stop no um yeah that's upsetting to me because i can't tell you how many you know friends i've had in the past um, and I say the past because we're no longer friends, um, you know, have said things like that. And it's very upsetting because it's like, I feel like in the same, you know, it, it's um, kind of like very similar to what I said earlier, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it's like, you know, I have so many female friends that 
you know, they don't want men to show emotion, but on the same breath, they're like, well, you know what? They're, he's not in tune with my emotions enough, or he's too stoic. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, pick a fucking side. Like, which one is it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. So it's like, if, if a man is kind of showing any emotion other than rage or indifference, Absolutely. he's deemed to be feminine. He's not, he's, he's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand that at all either. I'm, you're just going to hear me saying I don't understand it because I don't understand it. Absolutely. Because um, it's like, you know, we kind of have this, we had this thing where we always say like men can cry too or let men be sensitive, but do we give them the space to be sensitive? Right. Because a lot of times like we look at men when they're like expressing themselves, even if it's like crying and we look at them like they just gave an angel leprosy. <laughs> Okay. Like, it's kind of like, how dare you cry in front of me? And that's Absolutely. not fair because, like, men go through things. And that's very evident because so many men have, like, mental health issues right now. And, you know, because we don't give them these spaces to, like, really express themselves, you know, verbally, emotionally, um, it's just this increase in um, depression, anxiety. Um, and it, it's very unsettling, you know, and also men don't really feel safe to go to therapists or don't have access to therapists. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with that. It's just like feeling, uh, you know, emotions, feeling anything is, a, is a very human thing. And to kind of just like deprive somebody of that. I can't even imagine the audacity that it takes. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've this has ever been an instance where a man cried in front of me and I said something toxic in response to that. I want people to cry in front of me, not like because I'm like I'm like basking, like ha ha ha, like I don't want people to cry in front of me like that. But you know, um, I want people to feel comfortable. I want them to be open and transparent. I want them to feel. Absolutely. So yeah. I I I definitely think that I feel that way. Um. Even reflecting again on childhood and growing up with like two women, um, specifically my aunt, you know, she was, you know, wildly abusive. Um, and I remember even times when I would express myself to her as far as like what I felt about her actions. Um, one time she went as far as even to tell me like, that's that faggot shit I'll be talking about. Like, no, I'm sorry. Right. I just got, I'm sorry. And so it's like, you know, that's faggotry, but at the end of the day, you're going to hear what the fuck I have to say. I don't care whether you validate me or not, because what you're not going to do is continue to think you're going to talk to me any kind of way or treat me any kind of way. And then I don't have that same, you know, that same right to put you in your place. Um, and I, I see that. I see that uh, manifest a lot in a lot of um, cisgender women um, these days as well. Um, cisgender women like kind of have this air where they feel like they are in their right to do a lot of things to men. I have personally seen women like hit on men and things like that and then feel like even the slightest like, you know, him him like cussing her out after or something like that is damning. And I'm like, you do realize you are putting your hands on or you are speaking to another human being, right? And they're like, oh, like, that's bitch shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? You should be able to take it as a man. And it's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, we're, what households have, like, it, it just shows the damage, to be honest. It really shows the damage that people go through um, in their childhoods. And they've learned this shit other places, right? And they bring it into these relationships that they have. And that's why they don't have healthy relationships. And they don't have quote-unquote, good men, because they also aren't giving them the space to be good men and, you know, have that open line of communication. And it's also just teaching you that a lot of these people 
aren't practicing intimacy like they would say they do. Yeah. Uh, I just... Because, you know, to be intimate with somebody, it, it, it takes a certain level of honesty and also communication. So you have to know what that person likes and doesn't like. And not giving men the space to tell you, you know, what hurts them and, you know, what they like that you do. You, you know, you know, a lot of women really do want to hear, and just like men, you know, I think this is just like a people thing. People really just want to hear what they want to hear. They want, they don't want, they don't want the negative aspects that come with communication so people don't want to hear that they're wrong and not necessarily that they're even wrong or that they're that they're just unconsciously causing some type of harm right because they start to shut down and rather than wanting to speak about it and talk about it it becomes i just want to avoid the situation so i don't want to talk about it at all so what i'm going to now do is a ignore you until we're both over it and then you know b i'm just going to like run away from my feelings about the whole thing or C, if I do talk about it, I'm going to make, I, I, I'm going to let you say what you have to say, but then I'm going to still, I'm still going to make an excuse as to why this happened or as to why I, I, I did what I did. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it, it, it's really hindering for both, for both sides. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Men, men are not given the space to have feelings and they're not given the space to feel. And ultimately they are labeled gay for it. They're labeled like, you know, to be bitches. And, and that overall speaks to misogyny, right? Because feelings are supposed to be a woman thing. But if you're acting like a bitch and bitch is already a derogatory term about women, it, it, it just shows the misogyny of it. And it just shows how men literally allow uh, you know they th or so they think they think they allow women to claim certain traits that they don't want that they don't find desirable because they already feel like they're the superior being and all the traits they're taking are the superior traits mm, take us to the mountaintop okay <laughs> okay pastor Rajiv. yes okay. mm, it's nothing per <laughs> <laughs> shout out to roland ray hope he's doing better in the hospital Know he was in there, okay. yeah. He um caught on fire actually while he was lighting a cigarette. Why the fuck wasn't that in Woods Tea? Um, I don't, I don't know. That's a really good question. Well, that's the tea, <laughs> anyway. Do you have do you have anything else that you wanted to add? <sighs> like, so what, wait, what else you thought? Like, me, um, you know, okay, label was good, gestures. So, you know, cross, the crossing of the legs, talking with the hands, I myself have been, again, going off the experience. Again, I, I am gay, but those things didn't make me gay. And, you know, my gayness didn't have anything to do with how I, you know, use certain gestures. Like, I grew up in a house with raised by two women, and actually three. Um, so I, I just automatically kind of took the certain things. And so I automatically took the certain gestures. So like talking with my hands and, you know, crossing my legs. Yeah. Like I, I just seen that, but you know, when you take those things into other spaces that automatically is kind of weaponized against you. And they're like, Oh, like, yeah, he talked with his hands. He's definitely gay. Or even just the way I speak sometimes, like the way I speak isn't necessarily because that's what gay people sound like. This is like what a person who was raised by three women sounds like. I mean, well, I mean, well, you know, a former man, you know, non-binary person who was raised by three women sounds like. Um, I just kind of pick up on, I picked up on their dialect because that's, you know, how they spoke. 
Yeah, you know, um, it's funny that you did bring it up. I was having a conversation with Danielle about this earlier because, you know, we both be on, like, day naps and shit. Um, but, you know, like, when you say gestures, I think of, like, when I'm going through dating sites and um, maybe a guy will be, like, doing a selfie and he does a specific, you know, pose or whatever. Like, maybe he pivots his, like, chin a certain way or something like that. Okay. Be, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, when I was younger, like, certain certain poses, I would kind of automatically write off as, like, I'm like, he's probably gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I meant, you know, I didn't mean any harm by it. Now that I'm older, I know that, you know... It, it's harmful to think like that and it's mm-hmm. not fair and also some of the poses that you know um you know that are labeled for women um are very comfortable to do <laughs> so yeah no but um i think that it's very odd to really judge somebody um jump somebody's sexuality based off of the way that they like possibly stand um and a lot, also another thing is like like you said like with crossing legs that again a very comfortable stance when you're sitting down mm-hmm. um and i don't think that it should just be sectioned off for one gender one type of person i think it should be for everybody that's very uh, again um i yeah i don't think i really took time to think about the gestures and shit like that but yeah um i can imagine um the damage that doing certain gestures or sitting certain ways does for men mm-hmm um, especially when you have um, a lot of ignorant women, a lot of ignorant men um, that are out here. Um, so that is very wrong. Um, yeah. No, you're right. I like that, Rashi. Thank you for giving us th- things to think about. Yeah, and that's, I didn't think about. Perfect. Mm-hmm, and that's pretty much it. That's that's all I have. Um, I, I think last but not least, I was probably going to say, you know, pegging. Of course. Um, which is probably, which is going oh, into we got the topic. <laughs> yeah, which is going into the topic, you know. That I was originally, that people already automatically brought me, originally brought up. Um, so, if people don't really know what pegging is, pegging is when you're, uh, you, you know, a guy is being penetrated by a woman using a sex toy, usually, a strap-on. Um, a dildo. A dildo. <laughs> or a vibrator. No. A dildo. Oh, oh Lord. Mm, I'm sorry. My bad, you guys. It was the insider. Um... Is it an insider? Yeah, it's an insider. Yeah, but a lot of people oftentimes ask me this question. I get it, unfortunately, in my inbox on my personal page and also on Come Talk. Um, am I gay for being for wanting to be pegged? The answer is no. Um, so the reason why... Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before I even go into that, Rashi, do you think... Do you think that um, men who like to be pegged are, are gay? Of course not. We had this discussion before. We talk about this a lot. Um, I personally speak about this a lot. It is not. It's 100%. When the dynamic, again, Erica specifically said that, you know, it is a man being penetrated by a woman rather than him penetrating her. Um, And so just that dynamic, and when we go back to what is defined as gay, right? Um, A man and a woman is straight. So, you know, he, he can identify as other things, but if he identifies himself as straight, then that's what he is. He's a straight man. And, you know, just want a, a sexual act with a woman certainly doesn't make you anything but straight, to be honest. Correct. Um, so, yeah, so we both also agree that, you know, pegging does not make you gay. Um, but I will just speak briefly about how, like, why, you know, why, why men do enjoy um, being pegged. Um, you know, the asshole, the anus, the rectum. The anus is a sweet spot for men because of the G spot. Um, in our last episode, Rashid really spoke a bit about the pleasure he gets 
when he, you know, when he does things like prostate massages and things like that, and that's usually the effect that dildos and the vibrators do for, you know, for other men as well. Um, which is the main reason why men do enjoy getting pegged or just like, you know, um, being milked, um, you know, being, um, pleasured anally in general. Um, I forgot what I was going to say, you guys, I do apologize for that. But yeah, um, like Rashi was saying earlier, it doesn't make you gay. It makes you feel like it makes you a person that does enjoy pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, people have no right to tell you that you're gay because you do like to be penetrating anally. Um, you, again, um, I think the fact that a lot of times that we are depriving men of getting anally satisfied, we are kind of selfish in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, because why would you want to deprive somebody of having the greatest orgasm of their life? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Did you have anything to say about it's, it? It's just really one of those things where, again, like, you know, it is the most pleasure for men because, you know, other, like, women don't have those enlarged, um, or just people with vaginas don't have those enlarged prostate glands like people with penises do, right? Um, so there's a lot of nerving in there and so much so that we've even labeled it the male G-spot. Um, and honestly, you really can orgasm from a prostate simulation alone. Like it, it, it really gives. Look, my no hands. Look no, my, no, no. Hands. Oh, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, um, I kind of enjoyed it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But you know, pecking really isn't gay, and, and anal sex as a whole has really been labeled as an act of homosexuality for so long. Even women think this. Women have always, well, not have always, but. Even women who I am in community with question and come to me sometimes with honest questions about, you know, oh, you know, my boyfriend or my husband or my partner um, said he wanted to try this. He wanted to, like, you know, have anal sex. And, you know, I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. And, you know, I, you know, some of them are just like, I'm uncomfortable with it because I really just don't want anything in my ass. And I feel that, sis. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm here with you with it. But also, like, you know, some of them are really just uncomfortable because, again... You know, we've created this culture where we, where we have associated anal sex with gay, right? Because that's the only way that gay men can have sex is through the butt. Um, <laughs> and no, actually, I'm lying. That is not the only way that gay men can have sex. So let me actually let me rebuke that. Um, but that's the common way that people think that gay men have sex, um, and they paint that picture. Um, we don't paint that picture, right? So even women, again, think this and have this toxic ideology and make men feel shame for this. Exactly. So that's kind of why it becomes this shameful thing. And it goes back into that idea of intimacy. Couples aren't being honest with each other and couples aren't allowed to, like, you know, aren't being vulnerable with each other. So it, it really just becomes, you know, relationships really fail a lot because of it, to be honest. Um, and I, I guess I would like to question and I would like to challenge. I, I, I always ask the women who I'm in community with, you know, so <laughs> you say that, you know, you feel weird by him wanting you to, you know, you know, essentially fuck him. So, you know, you think that that's gay, but would you actually rather him go out and get fucked by a man? Can I speak on it? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So, as you know, and I think I've been pretty transparent um, when it comes to certain things on the podcast. Well, I, actually, everything on the podcast. Um, in the past, I have spoke openly about how I'm really not interested in, like, eating ass. 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, anything that has to do with the, with the, with the asshole. Absolutely. Um, and I mean that even for myself, for real, for real. I'm really not a fan of getting my ass eaten. And like, I just really feel like it's not uncomfortable. Like, I don't like. I don't like. You're like. I'm very serious. I mean, like, I probably have gotten my ass eaten maybe twice, and I don't know. It just feels really uncomfortable. Like, it just feel all wet. And I'm like, I'm really not. <laughs> like, I'm really not. And then also, like, I don't know, like, so, okay, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep it to being, so since we've been out, you know, like, since we've been out of the podcast, we haven't recorded this probably since, like, I think a little bit before I realized I was pregnant with Shiloh, I, I did, I did attempt to eat ass, and it really was not for me, like, <laughs> it really was not for me, like, it just really wasn't for me, um, it really was not, because, like it just I don't know like and it and it was him of course it was him, I'm sorry I'm popping bubble wrap because I got tight thinking about this but it was like it was like <laughs> yeah it's really, come on anxiety it was, like, it was a really odd odor like it wasn't like it didn't smell like shit but it was like it's not where it needs to be. <laughs> it's like skin right yeah I'm not used to that so it was very uh, yeah so it was like that <laughs> and then also like he just like he had his like legs up in the air and he pushed my face in further in his asshole and I'm like. Hey, <laughs> I was like, wait, um, I don't know about it. But with that being said, so I'm really not, I'm, I, me personally, I'm not really trying to peg somebody because I can't feel the, I, you know, I don't know in my head, and I'm, I'm speaking to this because I'm a person that honestly hasn't put their own fingers in their vagina because I don't know why. I just really don't feel comfortable going past that muscle. I'm really being. This is the most transparent I've ever been on this podcast, <laughs> by the way. Um, but I have a thing going past muscles, oh, so I can only, I can only imagine how that joint feels. And of course, well, I mean, I can't feel it, but like I, I would feel the tension. You know what I'm saying? And that would really fuck with me. Um, because again, I don't go past my own vaginal muscle. Uh, <laughs> this is so wrong. You know, I, I, I I'm not even going to like fault you, sis. I dig it. You know, I dig like, it. It's but, just but, different but, strokes for different folks. But yeah, but but I say this to say because you asked if a guy. I always tell guys that that are with me that are interested in being like stimulated anally. If you want to go elsewhere and do it, I respect it because I don't want to deprive anybody of any sensation. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um. But I just, I'm really not trying to go past that muscle. That's really what it comes down to. I don't want to feel that that tension. Mm-hmm. I want you to, I want you to feel your best orgasm. It's just probably not for me. Like, I will, I can milk you. I can. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, girl. You can milk the girl. Yes. You know, like I mean, like of course, like orally, but also like you know, with the fingers. You know, like I don't know if people know about that milking, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. you know I know. I know, but I'm saying everybody else. So milking is also like milk. It's called milking the prostate when you kind of just like continuously, um, you know, um, caress and stimulate the prostate. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to make this a teacher moment. This is all again. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I really ranted and all of this shit came out. 
at least it's it's really an open a moment of transparency for everybody here, and I appreciate the time. <laughs> it is not necessarily even like it's really it's not me laughing at Erica's experiences. It's just the it's just how you know when somebody like says something, and like you can I, me and Erica are not in the same room. It, again, if you guys don't know, I am in my apartment and she is in her apartment. So like I'm just thinking about how like Erica's face and her expressions are when she usually says things like this in this tone of voice and it is sending me so bad like I am really taken aback right now and it's uh, it, it is sometimes like conversations like this are awkward sometimes and sometimes like that is the reaction to awkwardness like she's being transparent but you know that's my bitch and you know I'm her bitch I mean bitch. I don't feel awkward it's just like I don't I just realized as I was saying I'm like I don't think I've ever said this out loud let alone to you Mm-hmm. So and I'm like I think I just admitted something to myself subconsciously while ranting. So I was like, oh, this is an interesting realization. Yeah. Um. And so I think it's like you said, like you know, it's it's okay when people don't realize things are not for them. But I think it's a different conversation when you actually are just specifically depriving something from somebody. Yeah. So like you know there are always those markers that we that we put in relationships where we're like, well, this is off the table, this is off the table, this is off the table. Pleasure absolutely is something, if you can't provide me with pleasure, we're all, like, you know, a relationship is absolutely off the table. And, like, that that's on period. Like, I, I can't go without it. Um, but I think that that is... That's the thing. It's different, right? And so even for myself... Um, for somebody who, you know, is queer queer and prefers, like, you know, the bottom side of things, even as, like, a, um, you know, a, a proclaimed bottom or whatever, you know, there's this whole idea that <clears throat> we can't also give somebody, like, you know, prostate stimulation, right? And we are the designated folks to just be on the bottom and we're the only ones who want these things done. And, you know, tops or whatever are supposed to not be you know, there, for some reason, there's also that connotation that tops are not supposed to want like prostate simulation. But again, like they're men and they have the same glands in their asses that I have. Like, why wouldn't they want that? And so there's even that whole conversation around that and stigma around that in the gay community where it's Mm -hmm. like, they're like, oh, well, like how you, how you, how is your top a top, but they using dildos. And it's like, well, yeah, they're, you're using dildos. Nobody's fucking them, but yeah. they are getting prostate simulation from something. So no, like they're, they're still technically tops. I mean, you know, labels in the gay community is something that I've learned to kind of like, just like let people roll with. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, when people say, what are you into? Or like girl niggas, like that's it. Like I'm into <laughs> niggas, sis. Like, you know. Whatever you have to offer me, like, we can work it out. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Um, there are different ways to pleasure people, like like we spoke on the last episode. Um, but then I think it's like we've also just played into this whole idea of binary roles for such a long time where we just place gender and we place roles on things that are neutral. So, like, cl- not even just the whole idea of pegging, but, like, clothing and again gestures and all the things that we said grooming and traits traits overall we've just gotten really so far gone and really deep into binaryism and i i remember 
maybe last week, I got in this clubhouse conversation and I, I was pinged in. And so since I was pinged in by somebody, I thought that it was going to be a very productive conversation. It was not. Um, <laughs> but the conversation was where the girl, where, where this girl who was speaking said she was confused because a, a, a transgender person had differing thoughts about gender than what a person in a, another transgender person had told her. And she was like, I guess I'm just trying to make sense of this experience um, I'm trying to make sense of the experience and things like that. And, you know, their answer to her was, you know, gender is very personal to the person. And, you know, gender is supposed to be specific to people and not things. And what you choose to do with your gender is your business. Um, So when we actually place gender on those roles, you know, we place gender on so many tasks and roles and literally no one told you to do that, but white settler patriarchy, you know, um, yeah, like it, you know, it's hard not to keep going back to this, but it's like that whole idea of binaryism, like, you know, before colonization and before imperialistic rule, well, imperialism has been a thing for a while, so we can't really just truly blame that on white folks. Um, but they were the people who, you know, kind of like perfected it and made that perfect recipe. Um, because Lord, like they, Lord, like Lord, Europe is just like ruling the world. And I just don't understand. Like the girls just, they snapped. Um, uh, even here in America, we are literally just an extension of Europe. And I, I don't think that people realize that, like, you know, um, so it's like, yeah, like we, you know, before all of that, we identified and we allowed people to express themselves and we celebrated those differences. You know, even when I think about indigenous folks and like the whole two spirit aspect, those people were celebrated and they were looked at as higher than, you know, folks who assumed a single gender. Right. And it wasn't until we are taught these things and these white settler people come in and they teach us Christianity and they, you know, use that as a, as a weapon to kind of like, you know, give us some kind of order and conduct and way to live. And, you know, they quote unquote civilize us that we start to realize that. And, you know, it, it's sad because these, these, you know, cisgender people will read all of these things that talk about deconstructing colonialism, but we'll literally skip over the gender and sexuality section as if it doesn't matter. And as if gender and sexuality can't inform race and race can't inform gender and sexuality. And they want to keep those things mutually exclusive from each other. But, you know, as a person with intersecting identities, you know that that's not the case. And you know that in order to gain a grasp of the whole picture, you have to read through everything. And there are literally just texts that go into this stuff and, you know, talk about how religion was used as a major tool to set up binaryism. And, you know, I just don't think that we're putting enough emphasis on that in the world. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's, it's really just something that's really just crazy and that we have to just come to grips with and we have to be doing active work and we have to be actually not just not just reading theory but also using starting to use that as praxis and start making sure that we're actually you know taking the same steps to break binaryism 
rather than just making it a quirky, like, you know, Instagram post, Instagram, like graphic, and actually making sure that we're doing the work to do those things. So making sure that when our, our, our sons say that they want to cook and they want a kitchen, a kitchen set, you know, getting them a kitchen set. They want baby dolls. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people are against boys having baby dolls, but boys also can grow up to be fathers, correct? So, you know, you want to make sure that they're forming that bond with those baby dolls and, you know, forming those ideas of care and nurture. So you want to make sure you get those them those things. Um, women, you know, they want to be into sports, you know, dance and things where they move their bodies in ways that arouse, you know, the masses aren't the only ways that girls can be active. So if they want to be basketball players, they are allowed to be. And I myself am even, you know, am even guilty of women who play basketball kind of masculinizing them and, you know, automatically assuming that they're like lesbians and stuff. When that's the furthest thing from the truth. Like, you know, I have a friend, Talathia, you know, who plays basketball and she's the furthest thing from a lesbian, right? Um, So you have to make sure that you're doing that work and that you're questioning and I guess you, Erica, more than anybody can kind of touch on it a little bit more if you like. Um, but you, since now that you have Shiloh, it's important that when you have kids, you start examining what you're doing and what you're finding in their quote unquote best interest and why you're finding it in their quote unquote best interest and where you got those ideas from. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, I am a parent now. Um, and I think throughout the, the duration of my pregnancy, I kind of thought about what type of parent I wanted to be. Um, and in my time doing so, I really took the time to examine how mom, you know, raised me, um, how my mom raised me and how I saw my friends being raised. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course they were flawed, uh, because they were taught by their parents and they were, and those parents were taught by their parents. Um, but with Shiloh here, I do want to break some of the toxic cycles. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to know that she is safe in her own body, her own identity, um, if Shiloh was to tell me that she wanted to do something, like, I don't know, like, uh, she wanted to work on cars, like, go the fuck ahead, work on a car. Right. Like, I mean, um, I just want, again, like, I just want her to feel comfortable in her own skin. Um, I don't want her to question anything about herself or just think, what if? Kind of, there were a number of things I wanted to do, but my mom kind of, like, um, she deaded that. Mm -hmm. Um, not so, you know, mom, I don't think mom ever really did that for me, you know, but my mom did, because... My mom was my mom, but, um, no, um, I definitely, I just want to make a safe space. I think all parents should make safe spaces for their children, um, to be able to explore their passion so long as it's safe. Um, and like you said earlier, you know, like if I was to have a son, um, and that's someone to play with baby dolls, I feel like a lot of the things that, you know, that children want to do will like prepare them for later on in life. So why not give that boy a baby doll? Why not give him a kitchen set? Why not give him some shit for hair? Because it's like, I mean, like, it, it can really branch into something that could benefit them in the long term. And, you know, even if that was to, you know, even if they did turn out as gay, it has nothing to do with the fucking toys you gave them. Mm -hmm. That's just something that they are. And, like, even if they are, who gives a shit? Because, honestly, if you're going to have kids, you know, like, if, you, if you're going to have kids, like, you shouldn't be fucking caring what they're going to turn out to be so long as it's not a serial killer. If you're not ready for your kid to turn out to be gay or to be trans or any type of identity, like, you shouldn't have kids. You're not prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um. 
but I mean, um, I just I really do pray that just all, all parents are make make safe spaces for their children. Because um, I work with enough children that you know that haven't been brought up in homes that were as accepting, where their parents weren't you know embracing them with open arms, to know that children like that are very troubled, um, and they and that they don't they don't have they don't have the best experiences and they don't turn out to be the best people unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really I just I just pray I'm a good parent, man. I just want and I want just I just really want Shiloh to know that she can really do anything she wants. She can be whoever she wants to be, so long as it's somebody that's like kind to other people. That's all. That's all I really want her to do is be kind. Absolutely, and she will be. Oh, period. For real. Oh, mm. So, so you know, I think we've kind of conquered the whole pecking conversation. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this though, Erica. If a man has sex with a with another man to try it, but never does again, is he gay? I'm going to say no. Um, okay. I think, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to say no because I just, again, just, again, from teaching kids and also from being a kid at one point, um, I think that we all go through exploratory phases. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself have done that. I draw home a couple girls when I was younger. Okay. Like, like, this, like, yeah, so um, I think, yeah, so men also have the space to do the same thing, I feel like. Um, I've known so many women who have grown up and they kind of had their own little lesbian lovers and decided that it wasn't for them. And they now say that they're heterosexual women. Um, why can't men do the same thing? Um, and this kind of goes back to our conversation earlier where it's kind of like masculinity isn't as flexible as femininity is and it's not fair. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, if again, so like again, like if a man isn't physically, like romantically, sexually attracted to men, he's just not gay. That's mm-hmm. it. It's in the definition. Um, if you're a man out there and you and you don't identify with that definition of gay, if you're not into men um, romantically or sexually, you're not gay. Um, you know, um, and I, for some reason, people always bring up the, in the conversation the man from Janet Jackson's husband and for color girls, <laughs> um, oh God. which is really wild for me uh, because he was sexually attracted to men. So in that definition, he is gay. It was just a poor example for people to bring up. Yeah, it, that yeah, it was just the the whole way that like that whole relationship was depicted was just harmful. It was, uh, it was, and it, uh, especially yeah. with bringing the whole HIV/AIDS conversation and him contracting it and giving it to her was just like an overall just harmful context and but, just shows how just though? you know Tyler Perry just you know he he really is a catalyst and he really is a messenger for a lot of his harmful stigma in his films they've done that in various crime shows though i remember the episode that really informed a lot of people of the down low culture was in a mm-hmm. order, i mean an episode of law and order svu which is really um, crazy because like why are white people talking about down low culture yeah and it, and, <laughs> all, and all of the men that were in the episode were like um prominent black men who had loving families with wives and kids who were having this this game night every like it was like every week or like every few weeks maybe and it was just like it was ridiculous it was the most harmful fucking episode i've ever seen in my life and ever since then every time i hear people mention the, the concept of the download they always reference that episode of law and order svu which is overall just tired um yeah, like for me personally, I always think about that episode of Insecure where um Molly was dating, you know, in the first season when Molly was dating that um that man and because he had shared with her, you know, again he was being vulnerable. He was letting her know from the jump like, you know, 
I experienced with you know, and he he didn't he didn't see it as anything because it it wasn't right. Because when you're secure with who you are, you know exactly who you are and what it is your wants are and your desires are. You don't have to be ashamed about those things, right? Um, because it's perfectly healthy healthy, just like it is for women to experience just as well for a man. Um, and I think it's like first of all, people have to understand that your sexuality lays on a spectrum of fluidity. Excuse me, just like gender. So you could absolutely be straight for years and then be gay for some years and then realize that you're not gay anymore. I mean, that you're not actually gay and, you know, go back to just dating just women. And like your preferences will sometimes expand and sometimes they will lower. And so your dating pool will sometimes be more expansive and sometimes it will be like damn near nobody to choose from, right? Um, and I just think that there's always been more room for women to try these things, um, because there's a visual and there's a fetish that men want and because they get to make those rules, you know, (laughs) since they get to make those rules and stuff like that, um, it's like, (sighs) it's easier for the world to get over a woman finding her sexuality than it is a man. And just like you said, because with masculinity, there's just that, like, you know, that, um, it's not as flexible. And so there's also just a lot of misogyny and homophobia involved. Right. Um, and you know, yeah. So like men only associate those, like I said earlier, men really only associate those trends that those traits that they don't want as feminine automatically creating the idea that women are inferior, um, meaning that gay men are also inferior. So, you know, when, when, when you, when you touch a man, like you might as well stay there because like, that's where you're going. But I, I'll tell you like specifically, I, I have had, you know, people who have experimented and they've asked me like, you know, I, I'm one of those people, like, I guess we're like, like Erica, people understand that I'm not looking to harm. I'm not looking to harm them. And I'm, I'm a little bit more understanding. So I have had people who I've just experimented with. Well, like I've allowed people to use me as like an experiment. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you, you know, more often than not, I've, I think I've only had one person who was like, yeah, it, it was a good experience, but I, I really don't think it was for me. But I think they said, they, they usually told me that the experience was good because like I handled it with care um, rather than like, you know, just forcing them to do all this different shit. I kind of just like let them like set the tone and the pace since it was a learning experience for them. Um, so, you know, and you know, I, I still know those, I still know that person to this day. And, you know, of course I would never, you know, just give up the identity because of the backlash that person could go through. But, you know, I would never think of him as gay (laughs) <laughs> you know, I would never think of him as gay. And, you know, he still is a really good friend of mine. And I think that's, you know what I'm saying? That's cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, th- he's gone off and had relationships with, like, women. And, you know, I mean, he doesn't have any kids yet. But, you know, that's also not an expectation that I really care for anybody to have. You don't have to have kids to, you know, prove your your straightness, which I think that some people do do as well. Also, nobody's entitled to have kids, even if you're a woman, because that shit's brutal, man. I'm mm-hmm. tell you that real quick. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say that, because I'm like, I know women always get, like, asked that question when you're going to have kids. Absolutely. Girl, if you don't want them, don't have them, because I almost died, okay? Okay, and for real. So, yeah, so I definitely feel that. Um, 
But I guess what I'm more interested in talking about is, I guess, now those, like, why it is taboo. Um, and specifically for our culture. And, I mean, we've already kind of expanded on it. So, I guess just, like, going back and kind of highlighting some of those points that we were talking about. So, um, I, I, I can start. and I think that hip-hop culture specifically is very harmful in the way that, you know, they conceptualize gender and sexuality. Um, and hip-hop culture specifically, you know, reinforces the dehumanizing stigmas of both women and queer people. Okay, yeah. Um, 100% that. Um, which I guess makes, uh, which really does tie in. I just always felt like when it comes to, like, black men, it's always, like, even though there's such thing as, like, you know, masculinity, it's just hate. Black culture takes hyper masculinity to a whole different level. Um, I am thinking this, pro- and again, I I really don't go in depth like Rashid usually does. He may know more about it than me. Um, when I think about men, black men with masculinity, I oftentimes think about slaves and everything, um, mm-hmm. and how they were kind of they had to assert their masculinity in some instances to protect the families and shit. I'm not sure if that could be a thing. It could be. But right. You know. But again, that's that goes into the idea of what I say. Like, race can inform gender and sexuality, right? Yeah. Um. So, no, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, continue, sis. Go off. Snap. Go ahead, girl. You know this shit. <laughs> just because... I just want to make it clear that a lot of people think that because they haven't necessarily expanded... I, I think that it does a disservice to people. It does a very big disservice to a lot of us when we spew that narrative that because people haven't done all these readings and all this watching of documentaries that they can't express their sentiments on things because we know there are going to be discrepancies in those thoughts, which is why it is a community responsibility to make sure that we're all on the same level. So the same way that Erica today has been like, oh, I spoke a word and I put things into perspective for her. They slash she has done the same thing for me in many instances. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that because you're not educated on it, you can't necessarily have an opinion. It just means that when you have that opinion and when you have those conversations, it's important that after somebody open, you know, after somebody has, you know, widened your viewpoint on it, it's important for you to do that follow-up work to make sure that you understand everything that they've said and understand where you have even obtained your former thoughts about that thing. Well, okay, there's that. Per. Per, yeah. Um, (laughs) no yeah but i'm thinking a lot of it from like of course slavery but then also going into like the jim crow era you know you have um you know men who are being you know lynched and shit and then it's a lot of attacks on black families so i'm just thinking about all these instances in which black men had to like put emphasis on their masculinity in order to kind of just like gain their way in society or just to protect themselves and i think that it's kind of come to like present day um, but also just when it comes to just homosexuality as a whole, you know, like as a black culture, we oftentimes damn people who are coming out as homosexual. I'm not really sure why that is a thing. I do know it's very prevalent in, you know, Caribbean culture. Um, I'm pretty sure because of white people, we, you know, they taught us that mm-hmm. that shit was wrong and everything because of colonialization. But... <laughs> I'm not sh- I'm really, yeah, but honestly, it's just, like, I really do think because white people are the devil, that's why we're really hard when it comes to, like, 
things that may be that may be labeled as gay. When it comes to pegging, black men as a whole, whenever you talk to them about anything involving their anus, they're always very, very hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very scared of how they'll be interpreted and how how that will question how people see them um, in a negative light. Um, or about them like not being seen as a man and being less than to be looked at as inferior because maybe they're engaging in anal play. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's real. Like when you say that, you know, when you were talking about the whole, you know, plantation whole mindset, how that goes back to the plantation, it's it's real. Um, like black folks have a very inherent homophobia, misogynistic politic taught from generations of colonialism, right? So masculinity is so engraved in our culture that challenging it sometimes feels like challenging blackness. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, my, my last point is something you already said as well. Again, like overall, just white people, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like I have this kind of running joke with myself that like, remember, I don't, did you see um, Avengers Endgame? cool so do you remember the battle scene at the end when Thanos has to like battle like 500 different people because everybody wants a piece at him so I don't know if you remember when Scarlet Witch told Thanos you took everything from me and his response was I don't even know you that's what (laughs) struggling with white people feels like sometimes because you know you try to tell them and it's, it's not even like we just tell them that they took everything from us. We, we we give specifics and we also break it down. We give theories. We give like so much of ourselves and we give so much of our information and our brains and our willpower to them just for them to basically say, but that wasn't me. Like, you know what I'm saying? That, w- that wasn't me. Like this, that's, we're living that's, in a now. That's, that's a great, and, that's a great, mm-hmm. okay. And yeah. it very much just kind of like sums up that culture that they have of avoidance. Like it, it, it really is like, it's very much that. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I like that. I didn't know what you were getting at first, because in my head you were going to talk about the all-girls scene that was cringy, and I was like, this was porous as fuck. <laughs> it, um, it, it, it very much was tired. I don't even know why I thought you were going to bring that up, because I was like, trying to figure out what part could he possibly be talking about, but that drone was cringy. I was like, this was not necessary at all. Okay, girl power. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, I really don't, I don't have, I don't think I have anything more to say about the topic of why pegging is taboo or pegging as a whole. I just want to say just in general that pegging isn't gay. Um, if you are a guy and you like to be pegged, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, get your best orgasm. Um, and as a woman, I think you also need to really think about why you don't want to peg a man. I mean, me, I don't like the muscle, but what's your reason? Think about that. Is it because you think that by pegging him, you're making a, he's like less of a man at that point? Mm-hmm. And it, and like and honestly, if that's the truth, if that's your answer, then you're stupid. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Um. And I think that that's you know that's kind of you know it's valid. Like again, we have to be intentional about the way that we navigate through society, right? So we're not always going to be able to point every little thing out. But as you work towards it and you make it an effort, things get easier. So you start to actually question things you were taught. Um, and that's what life is. It should be like, you know, we we commonly I was just kind of like talking about um this last night and I was talking about this to my um I was talking about this to um somebody on Twitter last night. And I was talking about how basically the children of police 
have this thing where they feel like they have to protect the identities, right, of their parents. And they have to protect the careers and the honor Mm -hmm. of their parents because their parents are their parents. And you should love and you should honor your parents, right? Um, But when you have a career like having a police officer in this day and age, there is a negative connotation that comes with it because of all of the things that we see in the media now that are being brought to the forefront and how they do operate. And it's important that whether your parent is a cop or whether your parent was just like superly patriarchal or your parent was overly religious. And you know, those aren't really necessarily your ways. First of all, there's nothing wrong with be overly religious. Um, as long as you aren't, you know, using that in a negative way or a form, but you know, if that was your experience and they were negative, you, know, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, it's very important that when your parents have very outdated ways of thinking, um, that you work hard to help them understand that. And I'm not saying to work yourself to the bone, but, you know, try to make a conscious effort to challenge them on their thoughts. Um, sometimes that will be a task and sometimes you're not going to want to do it. And I, I, I honestly, I'm not, I don't do it any longer. It's, you know, I've gotten to an age, you know, you can try. So I'm going to tell you to try. I'm not going to tell you to actually work hard and do it, but you can try to make sure that you challenge them on their thoughts because Erica does that with mom. So Erica challenges mom on her thoughts all the time, but mom actually has, you know, sometimes it's hard for her, but (laughs) in the end, mom can understand that she doesn't have to fully understand everything, but she has to respect people's way of living. And I think that that's what's important. So I think that it's important that you break out of these things that your parents have taught you just because you want to love and honor your parents. You don't have to live, you know, under the means of what your parents have taught you in order to honor them. You know, if anything, you're supposed to use your parents' mistakes and you can, you know, you can use their mistakes and honor them in that way um, as how, you know, you're going to lay the foundation to raise your kids. Um, because I, I, I have made realizations about my own grandmother that I have found to be really toxic. And that doesn't make her any less of a parent or any less of a provider than she was. But if she was here, I would absolutely let her know that I, I have forgiven her, that I forgive her for the things that I didn't even make a realization about until today, but I will also let her know that her mistakes are going to help me inform how I'm going to raise my kids. And that is very honorable um, because there's accountability in that on both parties, right? And they'll also get to see what mistakes they made when you raise your kids. And it's a learning process for you and it's a learning process for them. Um, But yeah, so that's pretty much all we have on that. Oh man, every time we get through these episodes, I, I, I just feel like I am like in... Just, I have like just no energy or no brain left. My throat numb dry right now. <laughs> yes, I have like this Poland Springs bottle that I've been fucking nursing for like the last hour. <laughs> like sometimes I turn off my mic and I swish my fucking, um, my fucking mouth around <laughs> with the water. Oh man. So, you know, Erica, you know, what was the. I don't know. Um, what is the peak and the pit of your week? Um, what has been the upside of your week? What's been the downside of your week? Oh wow. Um, I have okay, so the the peak of my week I'm gonna say is um, you know, I got a call back from a job that I've been wanting for a while. Mm-hmm. I applied to I applied to them so fucking long ago. I'm surprised they even have my shit on file. Mm-hmm. 
but you know i have an interview with them this upcoming week so i'm really happy about that but getting a call in general is my peak um my pick i had to fire a lot of people at my job this week those termination letters even though they had to fucking go it's really depressing to fire people to be honest that shit's wild for me okay um so that's the peak in the pay which prop which yeah yeah i'm gonna say that yeah go ahead what, what about yours, Rashi? What is your peak and what's your pick? Well, the peak of my week was learning that I would be vaccinated. Um, and then the pit of my week was learning that I was not able to be vaccinated when I got there. <laughs> I was waiting for that drop on the other side. Um, like... Girl, like it really was just a salty dickhead moment for me to get there, wait outside for 25 minutes, and then get into the warmth to have to go back outside in the cold away from my Uber. Like I couldn't even stand in the building until it came. They said, "Okay, you're you have to exit, sir." I'm like, "Bitch!" Like y'all are the ones who didn't put this information on the paper, and now I have to go wait in the fucking cold, and I have to walk right back out after just getting to the front, like a fucking dickhead. Uh, it was very much like waiting for SEPTA on a Sunday because you know it's never going to come, but you're still just standing there. So, yeah. Well, um, that's that was depressing. I remember seeing that your updates on Facebook and my heart dropped for you. I was like, I know you were so excited. I'm sorry that happened. Uh, I don't think I got to say that, but I know you were really excited. But did you reschedule it? Yeah, and so, like, that's also the other thing about it was, okay, cool, so I rescheduled it, but it's, like, I had to go, Not it wasn't, like, a normal reschedule. Like, you know how when you reschedule something, you right there, and you're able to, you know, um, yeah, you're able to reschedule it right then and there. Um, no, I had to go back on the fucking website, and I had to go re-register all over again, so now I'm going to be waiting for a, you know, acceptance, and I'm going to be waiting for a wait time like I did normally, I mean, like, you know, what, like I did in the beginning of the process. And so, like, that's just upsetting as fuck because y'all have, you know, refuted information from the public. Like, you, they sent over this preliminary list, right? And here's the thing. I appreciate the work that these doctors are doing, specifically these black doctors, right? But it, it it's very, it's very annoying and it's very overall just tired and also just lackluster on your part when you say that you're trying to serve a community of people and, you know, you're trying to serve and educate black people and then, you know, you send out information that is missing information for black people so they then now miss out on the opportunity to gain that immunity from this fucking disease and they now, like, run the risk of having to fucking, like, you know, get this, you know again and so like i'm just like i it, it overall was just a very like poor and distasteful like situation to me of course i didn't make a scene because that's not me um but i just was like yeah all right cool like i i i, I all right like you know it, it was just very fucking annoying but you know i didn't let that really ruin my day um i just you know i was mad about it for like 20 minutes and then i moved on with my day and made sure that i informed the public so that they could like you know not make the same mistake um, not even a mistake so that they were informed like I was not informed. Um, and so, you know, y'all can call that a read. Y'all can call that shade. But, you know, I did my job, which was the preliminary reading. They did not do theirs. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, that definitely was a pick. Um, hopefully you'll get to re-peak soon with that shot. So. Period. All right, cool. <sighs> um, well, you guys, I think that's all that we have for this, um, this episode today. Sorry to me. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just need to let that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah, sorry. Steph, definitely sorry to Rashid. Um, oof, that, that, that was wild, though. But um, I just want to, once again, just want to thank you guys for listening, always supporting us. Um, you know, um, since we came back out, you guys have showed up and showed out. Um, we're over 400 listens right now. Um, and we're we're very, 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 very much thankful for you guys that are consistently coming back and tuning into our episodes. Thank you ever so kindly. You guys are amazing people. And we love you. Thank yeah. you. I think that I can also attest to that. And, it, you know, Erica always really, really gives a word. Um, yeah. So I'm going to close it out with representing the gays and the girls, those who keep it a bean and those who couldn't get a vaccine. Um, you are listening to The Girls Room featuring Rashid, a.k.a. Fag Albert, a.k.a. Freedom John, um, sitting here with Della Reese's great niece. So you already know that they are in charge of the girls. They are Fat Badu, a.k.a. Thickerita, a.k.a. Faxiana, a.k.a. Shallow's mom, a.k.a. Erica. Um, and we AKA thank you. AKA Milfiana. Yes, 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 yes. And all that. Thank Don't interrupt you. me again, ho. Uh, <laughs> um, and we just want to thank you, of course, for listening into this episode of The Girls Room. Um, we'll call you on your beeper next week, child. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Erica, and I just wanted to send you a friendly reminder to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Girls Room, The Girls Room, T-H-E-G-W-O-R-L-Z, Room, Um, and we're available on Apple Music, Spotify, and all other podcasting platforms.